Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You went to Top Gun again. Oh, we're opening with that, are we? Yes. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, I'd seen it on the Tuesday. It was Saturday. It's the weekend. <laughs> Tom Cruise. You saw it when? Back in... Toronto. And then I saw it like 10 days later, I think it but was. when yeah. was the Toronto trip? Like, is that May? Start of June. Start of June. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's been in the cinema every day since then, and sure. you've resisted... Yeah, no, I no. couldn't resist. I'm I, like, think, I think I'm going to go back. I'm just trying to point out this is very rare for you. You almost never go to the cinema. And the fact that you've gone twice to the same film. What Was it the big discussion that we had after the podcast last week when I was like, it could be the best one of all time? I was just itching for it. Yeah, there was about three hours of chat with <laughs> Topley and Zara in the pub after the last episode. If there had been a cinema between the Docklands and the studio this <laughs> evening, I might have nipped in. <laughs> okay. We wouldn't be recording. Real quick, how uh, was it the second time? Yeah, yeah. Really, up? Yeah, I think I appreciated this morning cast a bit more. Okay. Okay. Um, although I did first time around, but Charles Parnell was probably a standout this time. Just, Charles Parnell? Yeah. Charles Stuart Parnell? Yeah. The Irish revolutionary? No, the actor. Isn't it Charles Parnell? Is it Glenn Powell? Huh? Who what, Who are you talking about? Uh, John Hamm's kind of right-hand man. What, isn't it oh, Charles him? Parnell? Well, he, yeah, he's, he's tremendous. Yeah, 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 yeah just kind of sage-like. <laughs> that moment where like everyone is goose at certain times where it's like, talk to me, goose, talk and then someone goose. will cut in, and yeah, he's right there. He just has a kind of quiet, understated gravitas that I think... Second viewing, Dave. You'll get it. That's fair. Hey, it's a music podcast. Let's kick it <laughs> oh, off. Shit. Ready and there will be no encore. Welcome back to the studio. Adam has just popped open a bag of crisps. That's good for audio. <laughs> I'm Dave Hanrady. My name is Dave Hanrady. There will be no encore. It's no encore. It's the music podcast that is seemingly obsessed with the cinematic work of Tom Cruise. Craig Fitzpatrick, we've done that now. Hello. Yeah, I'm glad it's over with. Um, it was kind of accusatory in the the running order. You were baffled, but it was you because could say, I don't Craig, go to the cinema. It's accusatory. Am I right? <laughs> All right. Yeah. You could say that. I would never. Will you go again a third time? Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. Third time's a charm. Is that what they always okay. say? Good stuff. <laughs> go see that. Support that billion dollar underground movie, everybody. In the meantime, it's uh, No Encore. It's music podcast. We're going to get straight to it. 
Top five. Oh, we're coming straight to the top five. It's a quick one this week, folks. No. Only an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine we did that. Yeah, and it was like somehow two and a half hours long. It's the top five protest songs on No Encore this week. Best and worst. We haven't done a best and worst in a while. And I'm on worst. You're on best. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Top five protest songs. Um, we'll get into later on what prompted this. And of course, before we get to the news this week, a quick note to plug our Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash noencore. You can head on over there and give us the price of a cinema ticket to Top Gun Maverick if you want to. Uh, you'll get bonus episodes and previews, of course. And most importantly, this is an independent show, an independent program. We're not on any network. We weren't nominated for an Irish podcast award this week. Oh, is that yeah, That's a thing, yeah. I was sent an email a while ago and I didn't bother because I was like, this looks very corporate backslappy bullshit to me. Uh, was it like a grand entry? <laughs> I, I think there is no, an entrance sure fee, yeah. as far as I know. And look, who knows? But my take on it is this. If you like the fuck, show then just just put it give forward, us an award yeah give us an award <laughs> yeah. um but you know i guess they didn't like the show but some people do and thank you so much to people who do listen to the show and love the show and especially uh contribute to the patreon it's patreon.com slash no encore we greatly appreciate your support and as always if you do if you don't the one thing we do ask is please tell someone about the show word of mouth is the best advertising as a man with a master's in advertising and a career in advertising yeah great i can tell that you. <laughs> That's what my thesis was on. Word of mouth. Yeah, fair enough. Um, All right, so listen, let's just jump into the news section. Hey, you heard about the good news? Coming at you live two days later with the Mercury Music Prize shortlist. It's Craig Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it's probably, is it the third biggest one? In terms of Novello's Choice Prize... Okay, maybe Rock fourth. Hall Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's fourth, right? Mercury, Mercury Prize? Yeah, maybe. I think we seem to always maybe. be talking about the Mercury Prize. I feel like it's happening every couple of weeks and I always forget who's winning. But I won't forget this time. and I won't forget the shortlisted albums. Um, a lot of first-time nominees dominating this. 11 of the 12 shortlisted albums. I guess I'll go through the list and then we'll have a little chat about it. Um, so up first, Jesse Buckley and Bernard Butler. Uh, Suede, from your Suede for All, Our Days That Tear the Heart. Long title, I haven't heard it. Joy Crooks. I heard it, I reviewed it on Arena recently and I gave it a lukewarm 3 out of 5. Okay, I heard some people kind of bigging it up, but it seemed like maybe... It's got a lot of character, yeah. but it also takes a long time to do anything, so yeah. Okay, I, I like your interjections, keep them coming for every album. <laughs> Joy Crooks, Skin. Haven't heard it. Okay, that was slightly weaker. <laughs> Sam Fender, 17, going under. It's fine. It feels like he's being nominated more than the album. I felt like I really was enjoying that record until I watched his Glastonbury set, and I realised that nearly every song was just a big wordless kind of chorus. Once he kept the crowd going with it, whoa, and was just yeah. like, this is easy, this is too easy. Quite Brucey. Great title track, though. Yeah, tremendous, tremendous. And a good lad. He seems all right. He I, seems I interviewed all right. him once before and he was not in the mood. Um, but to be fair, he was just not in the mood. It's a festival. What are you? Why am I doing a fucking interview while I'm at a festival? Do you remember you know I, mean? I had that thing with him where I was kind of directing him and um, Dave Fanning? Yeah. And it was supposed to be like quick fire questions that Dave Fanning knew nothing about. And then his, obviously we've talked about Dave Fanning recently and his long-winded we love um, <laughs> questions. Yeah. When you want to do a 60 se- second interview <laughs> with like either or things and Dave Fanning is just like elaborating on everyone. You get him in the edit. That, that's part of his genius. Yeah. Yeah. He's a genius. Um, Gweno. No. Treasurer. Don't know. That's the album title. Okay. No. <laughs> Koji Radical, Reason to Smile. Nope. 
Okay, Little Sims. Sometimes I might be introvert. I would like her to win. Yes, I think this Based is. Based on this list, though, but we're going to talk about a couple of snubs, I think. But yes, I like Little Sims, I would like to see win the Mercury Prize. Yes. Great album. Fergus McCready, Forest Floor. Don't even know who he is. He was the guitarist in Pearl Jam. <laughs> That's <laughs> Mike McCready. Yes, it is, yeah. Um, Nova Twins, Supernova. Nope. Uh, set up a duo, I believe. I sh- the Nova Twins. Yeah. I would imagine so, yes. Um, <laughs> although it could just be a clever name. I should note that my nose here are like me being like, I don't know them, I haven't heard them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, yeah. Even um, even pretentious music critics like me, guys, can't get to everybody. Self-esteem, prioritize pleasure. I mean, look, it was always going to be there. A different kind of no here from uh, <laughs> A different kind of no. It was always going to be there. Uh, yeah. It's a good album. I think that the praise was way over the top. Uh, I think she's cool. She's a star. Good for her. But I think that ultimately she is in the bracket of personality over art. Not to diminish the art. It's good art. I wanted it to be great art. That might just be me. I appear to be in the middle of a minority here. And I would say she's a good bet to win. Yeah, probably so. Um, Up next, Harry Styles. Harry's House. That's a very interesting one for the Mercury Prize, isn't it? Is he going to go? Is this a cynical thing of like get eyes and ears on the Mercury Prize? Probably it could, not. It's, mm, it could be a bit of both. It could be them trying to be like you know we're it's avant garde. You know it's postmodern. Um, it's also a good album. It's not a great album, but it's good. But, album. Yeah, you don't need to be a great album to be in the Mercury Prize I list. Not, you know, uh, quite, will he go? Will he be there? He will. Yeah. No, I guarantee he'll be performing in fucking Venezuela the night or something. But like, if his schedule allows it, he might pop in. <laughs> I hear he might pop in. It'd be cool though of it, and uh, to do. And I guess he'd probably. I don't think he'd be. On it feels like a move he might make where it's actually like, oh, isn't it cool that he yeah, turned up? He, with it, you he know? wouldn't be, I'm too big for this. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll just be a scheduling issue and it'll be like, uh, you know, the Oscars when someone isn't there and they show like a black and white moody photograph of them. They send Liam Payne in instead, maybe. He won't go and we'll talk about that later. We will. Wet That's leg. right, guys. Liam Payne content <laughs> coming up. I can tell you that Harry Styles is playing Madison Square Garden. There you go. Maybe they should bring the Mercury to him. To Madison Square Garden. (laughs) Harry Styles will not be at the Mercury Prize. Wet leg. Wet leg. Uh, Again, more so than self-esteem, because at least that album's good. Uh, Although, to be fair, I haven't heard the the Wet Leg album. (laughs) That's my confessional, because I just despise everything they stand for. Um... Uh, I mean, again, we'll talk about it later on, but they they've had they've had a good week this week. Um, again, like like this was never not going to happen. They mm. were always going to be there. They're the hype back du jour. I think they suck. Um, they could win it. I don't think they'll win it. And finally, Yard Act: The Overload. Speaking of bad, we reviewed first album we reviewed this year. It's not good middling at absolute best but I felt yeah it kind of do you remember that review I just got more and more annoyed as it went on I didn't yes. realise how much I disliked it that was uh, very funny it felt it felt to me that like uh, all the talk around this band and they're just kind of like the modern rakes or something they're like any ten a penny band back during the yeah, new yeah, rock totally, revolution yeah. or whatever it was yeah not great so that's your list great no Irish <laughs> I see no, no Fontaines no Fontaines were they snubbed were they hashtag snubbed um, I'm trying to, to think in terms of timings of the release maybe would that have played a part I don't think so Yeah, I, so I could snub. be wrong I, maybe I'm wrong I'm, I don't have the, the details to hand I will say that um, on the subject of Fontaine's my beloved Fontaine's which is funny because if you go back to the episode when we reviewed Yard Act it was the first episode of the year it starts off very emotionally for me and then it continues in that vein when we talk about the whole Fontaine's Twitter thing hell of an episode guys go oh, check yeah. it out if you haven't um, but Fontaine's right get this so I'm I'm surfing the web the other day right? the world wide web the world wide information superhighway I believe it's called and um, yeah I was um, a video came up and it was what's in my bag 
with Fontaine's. You know oh, that this is uh, Amoeba, isn't it? Their YouTube yes, series. Yes, Amoeba. Yeah. It's where it should be quite good. It's kind of cool. The musician goes to a record store, buys things, presumably on Amoeba's dime, I don't know, and then they like pull out the Did records. they leave with them? Or do they just show them on camera but, and then no, they're like, get out? Because they filmed them in like oh, a hotel open. room after this then and it was like oh, three they? of the lads from Fontaine's and they're pulling out record label or record labels records that are sealed okay. with the price tag on them and stuff so like they've clearly bought them on the day and it's what's in my bag and it's very much like you know here's what I love these are my records and it was three of the lads and um, <laughs> I watched it's about 12 minutes long and I was about halfway through it and I was like this is fine it's inoffensive and whatever but I'm not really getting much from it and I, can I ask which three lads it was you know? Curly okay Digo these are their names. I know their names. And, I know their names. and Tom, the drummer Tom, who seems like the nicest one, to be fair. They're all nice lads. Are they all nice lads? I assume I've only, so. I, I've never, I met one of them. I met Digo once in the garage. I mean, if Trevor Dietz can vouch for them. Was. <laughs> <laughs> if he did know who I was. They seem like decent lads. Punch my you know, local lads. But um, no, I mean, the point is, right? Um, Green wasn't there. No, Green, so no planks, Green wasn't there and the other guitarist wasn't there. Um, I should say as well, like, you know, like, I, I say the, the drummer seems like a nice guy. He's a hell of a drummer. I'll give him that. And as a drummer myself. I, I will say, I've been liking that new album. I don't like it. I think it's very interesting. And the second album's good. The first album's okay. And I did, the new one did very little for me. I like it. I think it's the vibe I've been looking forward to. Do you like that Stone Roses song? <laughs> I feel like they're in uh, they're in their pocket like this is how they're meant to sound apparently they've another album done already and I'm like lads calm down I like that though do you know what I mean well you? I'm a guy gar- I'm a guy by voices I'm fan yeah. um, okay the point is uh, what I was building to there my big crescendo was oh, they're pulling out their records and it's all kind of you know old school cool stuff whatever and I was like yeah this is fine whatever and I was like okay you know what I'll do I was reaching for the remote and I was like I'll see what this last one is and fucking Digo pulls out Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails oh. and I was like no <laughs> and he was like this album meant so much to me man when I was young you know like it completely changed my life and it made me like I was like oh no I can't hate you anymore I don't what hate if them they go for the record by the way sorry I on don't the... hate them or them I've never hated them at all it's a joke sorry go on what if they go full like industrial on the next That'd record be fucking amazing yeah I mean, it'd be ruined by the vocals but, uh, but I'd still be interested <laughs> to hear it anyway shall we move on <laughs> yeah um in terms of, I was going to say oh, something. Oh, sorry, let's grandma snubbed. What the fuck are we doing? Oh, yeah, cheapers, creepers. Where are they? Uh, it's not a good list. There's a lot of misses here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've just... Last year's winner, Arlo Parks, right? That album was so fucking boring. Yeah, it felt very like Wall Mercury paper. winner. Yeah. I always just think Mercury, I think like BBC coverage of Glasgow when they get people up to do like a bit of a thing. It's just very sanitised. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel... It's Jill's Holland Boogie Woogie. It's, I don't know. Is it still Barclay Card sponsor? I don't know. Um, Who won last year? Was a, it was Arlo Parks and it was, was Parks, it Michael yeah. Kuanuka the year before? Yes, that great was very, album. That was very a great good album. album. Like, yeah. It's not that they don't reward quality. They do. But it's just a bit of a... It's very uh, BBC Radio 4 or something, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's stop talking about it. Let's go from the BBC <laughs> to, was it ITV that Liam Payne appeared on? This the is morning incredible. Show. <laughs> I love this. Post-Oscars. Um, he's back in the news, our beloved he's Liam Payne. He's never out of the news. He's never the he's boy, the lad. He's the <laughs> greatest giver of content this year. Tremendous stuff. Um, was Liam Payne being honest with you? <laughs> the X Factor UK says otherwise. So, okay. 
Did we? We didn't um, talk about him being on Logan Paul's podcast last month. Impulsive. No, we did because that's where the, that's where oh, the impulsive. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the um, what was the line? Him trying to give his explanation of the line, the, the big tough guy line when he said, um, "If you don't remove those hands immediately, there's a high likelihood that you'll never use them again." I forget. Yeah, yeah. Verbatim yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quote. Uh, he, he was saying other things on this podcast, and he was talking about the formation of One Direction way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically said, from what I've heard, part of the reason One Direction was made was because of Simon's promise, Simon Cowell's promise to me that in two years, I'll make this work for you. So he started with my face and then worked around the rest. I was the honorary member of One Direction. He told me that story himself at his house. <laughs> Will Smith behind them, I suppose, at that point. And the comments went viral. And Lizzo chimed in. I didn't like this in her TikTok saying, I don't know who lied to that poor boy, but he was not the front man. I mean, who was the front man of One Direction? It wasn't like there was a Barlow, right? Um, Come on. No, it, it, it did feel, it felt mostly like equal parts, whatever. But ultimately, over time, it was clear that Harry Styles was the the most... Mark yeah, him and Zayn were... But I thought that was and more Mark a sense was of the like... guitar guy, I suppose, than the other two were the other two. The yeah. idea that Liam Payne was the frontman of One Direction is fucking hilarious. Well, but... he didn't say he was the frontman, though. In fact, the quote. Not? Well, unless I'm missing a quote, he said he he started with my face and worked around the rest. <laughs> but does is he not talking about the actual formation as opposed to being like? And then I was given frontman duties. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, um, trying to clear this up, the X Factor UK has released previously unseen footage. Now it was to mark the 12 year anniversary of One Direction. But I, I suppose it's an interesting clip to choose just after this podcast coming out. Um, it shows kind of like the judges putting together um, the boy. I can't really remember how it works, but like the boy bands and then the solo acts. Yeah, they have a bunch of photographs and stuff and they're just like, hey, whatever. Yeah. What about this guy? So back in 2008, um, Liam first auditioned. He made as far as the round in Simon Cowell's house when he was just 14. However, Simon didn't believe he was ready at the time. Told him to go back to school and re-audition two years later. Um, so you see them putting together together this group in 2010 um the judges shifting to like the photos of the guys and deciding who could be in it like the imaginary groups together and it doesn't quite stack up now i don't think this is on leem i think this is on simon gill okay <laughs> present, go your, uh, present your findings here all right so your hypothesis starting off we see nicole scherzinger move a picture of niall to the top of the table yeah Louis says enthusiastically, we liked him. Um, oh no, he says that of Harry. Yeah. And then Nicole says, okay, put him with Niall. So we have Niall and Harry to kick things off. Nicole says, they're the cutest boy band ever. That's Little what, girls are going to love them. I love that line because <laughs> they're marveling over there. Like this is, you're watching the manufacturing yeah, of music in great. real time and the superficiality thereof. And don't get me wrong. At this stage, were, are they the cutest boy band ever? I don't know. Well, they, they, were, they weren't wrong. She wasn't wrong. Well, she, she, she knew that this was money. And oh, it's was. money. <laughs> Imagine she said, they are so money They're and so they don't money. even know. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge Swingers fan. <laughs> I'd love it if Nicole Scherzinger was really into Swingers. Yeah. It'd be tremendous. Um, yeah, so they're just too talented to get rid of, and they've got just the right look and the right charisma on stage. They're like little stars. So you can't get rid of little stars. You put them all together. Little stars. <laughs> Gavin James song. Should have called them little stars. Um, then it comes to Big Liam and his photo. So Simon pipes up this point. He says star. he was the standout audition, in fairness, okay. right, representing for his boy. For pointing over at the group of boys selected to move forward as individuals, you don't think he should be over there? 
Nicole um, pipes in with, I don't think so. If he's the standout, then he could be the leader. Mm. So Nicole's putting that out into the, the universe. To this, Simon responds... He thinks he's better than anyone else in that list. Oh, but he does, think. right? He clearly does, and this clearly has carried over. I think uh, he's always had the big, the biggest chip on his shoulder, apart from maybe Zayn. Yeah, Louis comes in, and um, I'm no expert, but this is just what I what what I've gleaned from my brief incursion into One Direction land. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fair. Um, Louis then pipes in with, um, "No, he does, Simon. He has the confidence, but he's good. He's consistent." <laughs> Consistent. <laughs> for what I've gleaned from my dealings with Louis Walsh, uh, he's also a confident man. Um, You've had dealings with Louis Walsh? Yeah, I've had to do phoners with him previously. One was particularly bad where it was just like, oh, I think he had world. to pick his, was it like his favourite song? It was one of these things of just like getting random talking heads to do small panels. Do you know what I mean? We need 150 words on the favourite song. Everyone else was perfectly fine to get five minute conversation and he was just a nightmare phoning him and then can we talk again later blah 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 what you really need he was just he's very important Craig I don't like him um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad it was just a bit like this is a lot of hassle no, you're not being very nice he's him being fuck him yeah you're right Craig fuck him <laughs> <laughs> Judge Louie then suggests Zane for the group Judge Louie <laughs> which everyone immediately agrees with in the words of Simon now that is a good idea <laughs> I, I feel like the way I'm reading these quotes, it sounds like a kind of famous five. Like, <laughs> no, I'm enjoying it. What do you it. think, George? <laughs> a bottle of pop for the picnic. A bottle of pop. It's like you're doing like a weird radio play. Yeah, yeah. and it's not a good one. Um, then Simon says, that's the category I want. Them. <laughs> and he got his way. So yeah, basically what does this mean for Liam's recent claims? It says, yeah, the idea that One Direction started with his face doesn't seem terribly accurate. It's Niall's face not Leems that's the initial building block however and this is um, BuzzFeed I believe editorialising I think we can safely gauge two things Simon did have Leems back when it came to staying in the show he was kind of putting a little spanner to work so with the whole confidence thing and two it appears that Leem was initially thought of as the band's leader again I don't know if he was said like maybe it's that was all an, semantics maybe that was right? an internal thing maybe it was sold to him that way it could have been it could have been this guy's got a chip on his shoulder Tell are you suggesting he- they lied to the boy <laughs> Tell him he'll be the boss. I think the end fucking result here is they had a really successful career. Yeah. They didn't they even win the show, by the way. They have made millions. They have no doubt had every kind of wonderful trapping of fame possible. Do not feel sorry for these men. They are all doing just fine and had a hell of a 10 years. Congratulations to them. Who won it that year? Um, your man. We talked about him recently. I can't even. Matt Cardle. It was Matt yeah. Cardle. <laughs> Yeah, and who did he do a cover of as his single? And he gave it a different title. It was Biffy Clyro. It was Biffy Clyro. It was the song "Many of Horror," and his version was called "When We Collide." When we collide, when we collide, we come together. Terrible song. Terrible artist. Went on to do nothing. And of course, there's that infamous thing, isn't there? Like, you know, did Harry Styles. Lots of things, yeah. Remember when he wins? Yeah, what he whispers to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's picked up on, apparently he he leaned into him when he won. And uh, you going to say the quote? (laughs) We can bleep me. We can bleep me. Harry Styles, an excited Harry Styles. Magnanimous, to be fair, because they didn't win. I think they came third. Did they? Yeah, yeah. Who came second? Was it Alexandra Burke? Was that that year? I can't remember. Adam will look it Garrett up. Garrett Gates? <laughs> <laughs> Shane Ward? Shane Ward? Steve Brookstein? Um, no, so essentially right. 
Matt Carroll's winning, everyone's happy, and One Direction are crowding around him, like, you know, like, like excited teenagers. What's he, like 16, 17, 17? Yeah, would be. Harry Styles leans in and says to Matt Carroll, you're going to get so much p- <laughs> And the crowd just cheered. Thank you. Okay, so... Uh, the, the winner was Matt Cardle. The Matt. winner up was Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. Not to be confused with Mission Impossible actress of the same name, <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson. All right. Clearing good. that up. Hey, good for all them. Yeah. And good for you too. Um, <laughs> as we segue into a story about you too. <laughs> <laughs> the Irish One Direction. Yeah. A band who don't, don't get so much expletive because they're married men, I guess. Uh, okay. Right? Are they? Well, Bono's married to God and Ali. Right? Ali Houston, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know there was that photo of him with two. Oh, okay, let's not get into Whoa, it. The let's fuck? get into Where the fact that reportedly, yeah. as I point at you and <laughs> just take you like wildly, Dave. Yeah. They're set to play a multi-date residency in Las Vegas next year. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the story I've picked to include here is, again, quite editorialised. It's written by Alan Core, I believe, RTE. And it's quite, it goes into a whole history of you 2 We're not going to go through it all. Um, I will jump in at the point where he says the band would also nail the madness of it all. This is um, basically what is the madness of it all he's talking about? I don't quite know, but he then says in one of their best songs, Vertigo, a guitar (laughs) anthem that seemed to be bug-eyed in amazement at their own sheer achievement. Okay, the madness, I guess, of their success. Dave, I've had a soft spot for Vertigo for a long time. One of their best songs might be stretching it. You hate this song, It's a terrible song, yeah. It's like (laughs) the sound of a phone ad. It's the sound of... Uh, Buka jeans, like it's it's woeful. Um, I really like it. I, I can deal with stuff like elevation, but this is too much. For I me. much prefer Vertigo. I think nah. it's more of a song where elevate elevation has the whole mold digging, digging in, in a hole, hole, digging out my soul. Vertigo's lyrics are actually they make sense, and there's a narrative to it. Okay, it's about a nightclub called Vertigo, <laughs> <laughs> and Bono's there uh, with bottle service. Probably. I thought it was really badly trying to recapture the beautiful day kind of stuff, and it was terrible. It worked really well, I thought, but it probably was paving the way for Sixty Boots. Oh yeah, go on, <laughs> your boots. on your boots. At least that song is bad enough to be outlandish. This is just Vertigo is just like it's just plastic bullshit. Also, I saw their manager. Is he still? There? Is he their manager? Paul McGuinness. What's Guy O'Siri? Oh, the new guy relationship. Yeah. The new guy. Meet the new guy. The new guy. Oh, same as the old guy. Guy O'Siri was a pro, his profile this weekend. I think Vanity Fair, or Variety, maybe one of the Variety. I think. Um, did an interview, and apparently one of the pull quotes I just saw in passing was, Guy Hosiri uh, thinks that U2's give away the album for free on everyone's iTunes thing was a good idea, you know? I don't think it was the worst idea. There was there was backlash, but it kept them in the news. I think it's <laughs> I think it's actually a like a reason a lot of a younger generation know of you two now. That is the point. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. if they just put it on general sale, no one would have talked about that record. Yeah, I know, but it was such a uh, humongous backlash, and this was kind of in the pre. Uh, Twitter was around, but it wasn't quite Twitter what it is today. But that was such a fucking viral meme. People were like, you know, like you know, calling up Apple, begging them to take it off the phone, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, and remember, you two were like, it's a gift. It's our gift to the world. Yeah, yeah. 
Love it. But to be fair, well, you do know. you remember I loved Bono's whole thing at like the unveiling, the Apple unveiling where like Tim Cook is just being like, yeah, we're giving it away, blah, blah, blah. And Bono's there standing next to him just being like, no, 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 you paid us for it. He had to stress that like there was a monetary value on the music. Yeah. Like, Bono, of course, who also described the iPod as the most important art invention since the electric, electric guitar. guitar. He's great. He's um, the best. He's a and wild he's man. And yeah. for Vegas. So they're doing possibly. this residency in this, I believe, 3.8 million uh, arena that's being built or something? It's going to have a capacity of up to 20,000. It's um, it's a $1.8 billion venue. 1.8 it's the billion. MSG Sphere in Vegas. Yeah, um, million I knew was way off, but like... What? It's hyped as the world's largest spherical structure. Okay. So, yeah, in the list of biggest balls, it's <laughs> right at the top. How long are they doing the residency for? It's not forever, like... It's not, um, it's not an Elvis situation where they've been conned. It's just a decade. <laughs> no, I think it's for like six months or three and actually, months. And it, it's, it says that the shows will reportedly, reportedly be non-consecutive. That's correct. Over. They get a lot of days but, off, yeah. I'm not sure. That, that, it's not even really a residency. I think it's three months. Maybe it's more than that. It's definitely no more than six from what I read. And yeah, there will be like a bunch of days off. Yeah. Um, a lot of big acts, of course, do this kind of thing. It doesn't feel very U2 to me, though, no, to end up in Vegas. like It's a bit fucking sad. It feels beneath them. I think residencies are sad. Like, Adele's doing one, you know, hasn't got off the ground yet. Um, there's something really horrible. Like, the idea of, like, I'm staying in this hotel, yeah. I'm going to go to the casino, and, hey, look, 8 o'clock, U2 will be on. Let's let's go have a steak and watch yeah. U2 do... No, like, that is fucked go up. Go to the buffet, and then... That's fucked up. I think it's very American in a bad way. Vegas, never been, never wanted to go, but, like... Nah, there's something really kind of awful about it. It's, it's like Tom makes... Cruise and Simpsons being chained to the stage, like, you know? Yeah. A hacksaw love, Interpol, anything, you know? It's just, no, 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 there's, no. There's kind of something almost ki- kitschy and cool about, like, a, maybe a solo act doing it. Like an Elton John, it's just like, of course he's now in his Vegas period because of the whole Elvis connotation. Dude, what but a, a fucking, band... what a, like, Matt Goss from Bross does it. That's who should be doing it, not fucking you two. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What, what are they in trouble? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Audiobook not selling, mate? Like the last tour. No, the last tour was a bit scaled down, right? Yeah, I, was, now, I, I wonder I, I was that. It, actually, three arena at one stage. I wonder was that by necessity or they did have the big talk of like, we want these songs to be intimate because they're about our past and blah, 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 <laughs> which I kind of bought. But I mean, the previous tour was the biggest of all time. So yeah. there's still a big ticket. <laughs> the big ticket. The big ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it all just money, Can man? We re- rename the show. The big ticket. <laughs> no encore presents the big ticket. <laughs> Incredible. Bono does have a fascination with old blue eyes, though. Yeah. Like he quotes Frank Sinatra a lot. Mm. I'm always wondering how many times he actually hung out with Frank Sinatra because he's always with the anecdotes about Hi, Frank. Will they have overlap? Old blue eyes. Do they overlap? In terms of life? Yeah. I hope so, because Bono has a lot of anecdotes about meeting him, so... Okay. He was the ghost of Frank Sinatra. I'm just trying to yeah, I think Sinatra died in the late 90s, so... What era of U2? Is this U2, like, when they're, like, doing that gig where he's like, get that flag out of here, you know, it's like... Yeah. That means Sinn Féin. I think probably 80s into 90s, probably okay. the 90s when Old Blue Eyes was... Because, yeah, Bono has well, quotes... Old Blue Eyes beginning to fade, yeah? I think, I think Sinatra to... <laughs> said something once to him where he's just like, um, you've got even bluer eyes than Old Blue Eyes or something like that, right? <sighs> and then there was another one. I think the best one was they were in the back of a limo together. Okay. And... Um, <laughs> Bono always pitches this as like the best showbiz advice I ever got was um, 
Frank, I was talking to Frank in the back of a limo and um, he um, he leaned across me when I was mid-sentence and he, he slightly rolled down the window and he said, now, yeah, perfect lighting. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, always ensure you have the best possible lighting. <laughs> I'm just like, that is the most Bono anecdote. That's great. So maybe really, that appeals to him, the whole Vegas uh, thing. I don't know. Do you really think, like, yeah, I'm sure they have perfect lighting in this horrible homogenous dome that they're going to be in for the <laughs> next four months or whatever. When's it start next year? January, is it? 2023. So, yeah. You're not going to go, no. No, it's We're depressing. not going to have a no encore road trip to, to Vegas. Vegas. to see you two. <laughs> Imagine we all went to Vegas. Fuck me. No. Like it, <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash no encore. <laughs> it sounds like a place where people go to die. Like, like it's just, it, it, I'm not into it. And that's Florida, isn't it? That's Florida, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe, hey, maybe, maybe they'll play a gig in Florida. <laughs> Universal Studios. <laughs> They're just there for like, uh, yeah. Okay, from Florida and Vegas to... Walford. Okay. Oh, <laughs> EastEnders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The fictional place. And um, metal continues to infiltrate culture. Um, Stranger Things breeding unprecedented new life into Master of Puppets. Um, I don't know why this story has Bon Jovi bearing here metal providing the unlikely soundtrack to Miss Marvel. Summer 2022 seems to be the moment that rock music officially took over TV. In an increasingly absurd turn of events, BBC soap opera staple EastEnders has gotten in on the act courtesy of an unlikely bond. Gone in on the act, scoring the fifth goal. <laughs> and Cheeky Snog between two characters. Cheeky Snog. Underpinned by their newfound shared love of heavy metal. Okay, so in some recent episode of EastEnders, regular characters uh, Suki and Eve are seen chatting together in um, the local calf. Which I think it's called Kathy's Calf, isn't it? I haven't watched EastEnders since I was a teenager, so Ian I do Beale's, not know. Um, ma'am, I think it's named after her. I used to watch EastEnders. So did I. Um, when did you bow out? When I finished school. Same with Home oh, Away okay. and Neighbours. So what era would that have been? Uh, early 2000s? Yeah, so I probably around the time they Mid dropped the whole... Yeah. I love the whole like gangster element. Like the Steve Owen stuff. I watched that, The yeah. Johnny... What was Johnny... Johnny Allen... I think he was coming in as I was leaving. Do you remember Grant came back? But and Grant yeah, yeah, Johnny Allen like, nearly yeah. killed Phil and Grant in, a, in, in like the woods. Do you <laughs> oh, remember I, this? I can't yeah. remember I don't remember this. this. It was, I was on the edge of my seat. Really? Yeah. Okay. 100%. Yeah, they were, it is Kathy's Cafe, by the way. Kathy's <laughs> Cafe. <laughs> well, this was the um, setting for this bonding moment. Um, there was conversation about uh, guilt and the death of a loved one and then Eve revealed that as a youngster she was a proud nerd who loved nothing more than chilling with her trash metal albums rather than socialising with anybody. So we have direct quotes here. I am... Um, I was Craig, back Craig doing my play radio of the play. day. Look at this. <laughs> I was a geek who was at home just shut up in my room blasting out trash metal music just so that no one would talk to me. I think your mom, I don't know. Adding that she liked the drums, guitars, swearing... Not to be outdone, Suki, historically portrayed as a villain in the show, revealed that she too used to be a metalhead, albeit a closet one who was keener on the slower and heavier side of the genre. To quote, I prefer my metal with a slower tempo. Low tune guitar, crawling riffs, music dripping with desperation. <laughs> Which he exclaims, you what are you? You're like, this. what? A doom metal van? <laughs> <laughs> you dark horse. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, it's all making sense now. That fierce attitude, that jet black heart. <laughs> metal fans don't have jet black hearts. We've also, discussed metal this fans previously. don't have a conversation like this. This sounds like something out of porn. <laughs> I should have known. You're a metal fan. You're a metalhead. Anyway, they ended up snogging a bit later to Black See? Sabbath's Paranoid. <laughs> they would have liked that recent discussion did about they, um, Iron Man. But did they play Black Sabbath on EastEnders? How much did that cost? Yeah, yeah, they wow. did. Um, they, they've usually got some music on the go, right? I remember hearing... Craig, I haven't watched a show in oh, 20 years. Like, I mean, like... like I'm, yeah, yeah. It's not I mean, for me anymore. You gotta leave these things behind. You gotta leave childish things behind. The internet went wild. Did it? Yeah. Did I the can, internet go wild? I like that. <laughs> Is that what well, happened? There's an assortment of about five or six tweets. <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> oh, read there them. There you go. <laughs> I do like the fact, though, that this is the story as opposed to it just being like a lesbian gay or something. That's good. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Of course. Um, no, I saw this nice ending because I was like, Black Sabbath, mate. You love Black Sabbath. I do love Black Sabbath. Um, I wouldn't call them doom metal predecessors I no, guess the, they got the description of do, kind of doom metal. I was just like they're hardly going to reference like sun or something like that do you know what I mean be <laughs> <Yeah, imagine. laughs> um, <laughs> but hang on hang on hang on the assortment of five or six tweets what were they saying um, what was the general public saying Sorry, I've gone back to Simon There's always one. There's, surely there's one person who's like, you know, oh man, you know, I'm waiting. I'm waiting 36 years for EastEnders to reference the Sab or whatever. <laughs> Finding out that Suki Panasar is a metalhead is my favorite thing ever. Do metal, no less. Love a woman with taste. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's screaming at Suki and Eve, and I'm more shocked she's into metal music. Tbh. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, one user questioned. EastEnders referencing doom metal. Our time in the public's adoring spotlight has come. <laughs> then someone else said, Suki into doom metal. Are we talking Sabbath Caius or Electric Wizard Monolord here? <laughs> and then that was answered later with the whole Sabbath thing. Um, yeah, tra- trash metal isn't that sweary, is it really? <sighs> like, compared to... I mean, Metallica are thrash metal. Sl- Slayer are thrash metal. Yeah, I wouldn't... In my list of three things about trash metal, I wouldn't be like, all oh, all the swearing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's progressive though, isn't it? For EastEnders, like, do, uh, is the scriptwriter a big metal, metal fan, fan? I or are they just so, trying yeah. to crowbar in some awkward? And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. And again, and and porn fan because no one speaks like this. I, yeah, I just feel it's soap opera dialogue, isn't it? Really? I guess maybe it plays it. Maybe the actors did it justice. What are you, you going at? I was going to say, not that your radio play didn't. I had to play two roles there. Did I didn't know well. what my motivation was, really. I don't have the backstory of these characters. Yeah, I, mean, I just know maybe, they're into metal. You could have asked me to play the other role, but that didn't come into your brain, did it? <sighs> Ever the egotist, huh? <laughs> Speaking of um, porno scenes, Pulp are getting back together. Jarvis Cocker would have written a song about this kind of setup, right? Would he? Yeah, it just feels like a seedy, early kind of pulp thing of just like two girls alone talking about their love of metal and then having a snog and he'd be like in the closet or something eavesdropping. That's he'd probably use the word material. snog. I didn't know pulp had broken up. What? Yeah. We saw them at a picnic that time. Remember? That was a decade ago. I just assumed they were still on the go. I know he was doing the Jarvis stuff. Jarvis, yeah. Like, I didn't know the Pulp were Which, like... again, is a shockingly bad name for such an eloquent, bad, yeah. literate yeah, man. It's pretty um, terrible. But yeah, it's big news in my world. I've included it with a, an exclamation mark. <laughs> they're doing re- reunion shows next year. Would you go? I don't know them. Yeah, yeah, why not? I mean, I don't know them enough, though. But I did see a handful of people having a very good time with this news during the week on Twitter. Some people had for lots of UK music journals. Very happy, very niche. Good for them. Good for you. I'm very. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're happy. It's one of those things where you didn't realise it. And it's been, I think it's been like nine years since they were properly together. 
um, which kind of has flown by. And the previous time, like their big reunion, the first go round was actually probably only about seven or eight years as well. But it felt like, oh, my God, different era band. But yeah, just I, I mean, it's know. not the Stone Roses getting back together now, is it? <sighs> All for one. My second Stone Roses reference on the show. (laughs) I was listening to Stone Roses this week. First album, good stuff. Uh, yeah, they got they, they made a stone. Made a stone. Great bang, song. Banks of drums, incredible good song. song. The comeback was terrible, but at least they were honest about it. They're like, we're here for the money. Yeah, yeah, and they were, and <laughs> they got it. Also here for the money, Barack Obama. This sucks, by the way. He's shared his summer playlist. Let's not get into it because who cares? And he's like, like all presidents of war criminal. Of course, <laughs> I will say, but I will say, like you know, him including wet leg, Barack Obama including wet leg yeah. in his summer playlist is the most offensive thing he's done since drone bombing a bunch of innocent children. Shall we move on to the top five? Yeah, let's do it. Protest do songs, it. Protest you say. Protest songs. All right. So it's top five protest songs. And um, how did this one come about, Craig? We had a bit of a struggle, I think, in terms of nailing down top five to the point where... Well, we had loads of options, but we just were trying to find one we genuinely felt. Yeah, it, it got as far as Tuesday morning, which is never a good place to be for the top fives. It gives us two days to just prep for it. And I was like, oh, fuck, we're kind of fucked this week. It, like, I feel it, confident. I, yeah. It can happen. I mean, we do have an abundance of top fives, but sometimes you do find yourself kind of caught on the hop a little bit. And then you're like, oh, well, that won't take long to research. What will we do? And Craig kind of came to the rescue and said what about this one that we've had an idea to do for a while which is top five protest mm. songs and you were like it will give us the option to do a best and worst which we haven't done, haven't for, done some for a while time. yeah it's an interesting split i think this go and around. yeah it, it reinvigorated me i went home that night and i um i want to say i had my top five done in about half an hour <laughs> because an embarrassment of riches i actually have a top 10 we'll get to it i'm not going to play all 10 of them but like who boy. I should say, before we get going, I know you've an intro, maybe you can parse this a bit better than me, but I should note at this point, because I said this to somebody today in work, I was like, this does give me the opportunity to kind of reflect on how... You feel about the protest song? Yeah, because back in... It was 2016 in particular when we had an, we had an abundance of Donald Trump songs. Oh, yeah. And they are all terrible. And it was like, fuck. And I remember on the show... I had said something to the effect of I was like, you know, some classic Dave Hanready throwaway comment. I said something like, you know, um... I'm fucking sick of this. Musicians shouldn't be allowed to do protest songs anymore. Or like, you know, keep. It wasn't. It was veering dangerously close to keep politics out of music, mate. It was mainly Trump, wasn't it? You're just sick of Trump. That's what it was. It was, but it was the quality. It was the quality of the songs. Was, these are all so bad. Yeah. And I kind of was like, I'm fucking sick and tired. And I said something insane, like, you know. I didn't. I can't remember what I said exactly, but it was very much. Like, I think you and Cullen were like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And I was like, "But more to the point, once I kind of realized, I was like, wait a minute, that's that's a that's a ridiculous thing to say. So much music is born out of protest and the spirit of that and anti-establishment, um, and oppression and struggle. And you know, for me to make that statement was categorically wrong. <laughs> you know, and I've regretted it ever since. Even though I very quickly retracted it, and there was co- there was context. You know, I was just frustrated at the at that. So this is a nice chance, I think, to kind of appreciate the the rough and the smooth. As you do the worst list, which you jumped on, by the way. You're like, I'll take worst. <laughs> it wasn't like, I'll, you know, I'll talk about the greatest protest songs of all time. Woody Guthrie and my number one. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to double down, but I'm also going to say, of course, Protest away, musicians. Yes. Come back on stage and carry on playing. Uh, All right, you talk now. Yeah, okay, well, I'll just say, I mean, I think the thing with protest songs is it's a very difficult thing to do well because it can be overly earnest. It can be low-hanging fruit. It can be 
cringy at best. So my I've had a really kind of mixed relationship with the protest song because even when you say the term, it does feel a bit like, oh God, is this going to be... Are you listening to music that's trying to be worthy and I'm not really enjoying it? So I've always favoured the kind of the subtle messaging, the subliminal, just the kind of clever stuff. But then you get into like, if you're being subtle and subliminal to your own audience, are you really making a difference in the world? So sometimes you have to meet the audience halfway um, with a song maybe like this. Yeah, not really meeting you halfway, just bludgeoning you over the head with some incredible funk from Edwin Starter and War. The rest of the song isn't that amazing, but just that is so iconic. It's great fun. And I kind of like that thing of just being like, it's a protest song, but it's not like oh, I'm in my cardigan and I'm a woolly liberal. It's just like, I'm going to create such a belter that sounds like it could fall off like the Rocky soundtrack that like even the right wing, you know, hawkish warmongers will be like, this is irresistible. I'm sending this to number one. Um, so I guess what I was looking for with best was stuff that was enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> my list took a bit longer um, i'd say it probably did yeah how did you approach the the worst because it was a quick process for you so what constitutes and are we going to kick off with worst do you want to give a little lead in because we usually do i don't yeah, know if you want to hold off no, or, no no we'll kick off worst because yeah. you want to finish on best you want to send the crowd home happy um like a good wrestling pay-per-view so essentially it was it really was a case of good instinct what did i already have in the back pocket doing a bit of research, finding a few lists, a couple in particular that were very helpful. Because I came across a couple of songs I hadn't heard before, and they went straight in. Um, but no, like my, like my it's everything I've said previously, and it's, I, think you, I think you summed it up very, very well there when you said, like, you know, low-hanging fruit and it can be overly earnest. I would add the word didactic to that list, mm. which is one of my favorite words ever, by the way. It's just so much fun to say. Didactic. Great. I like autodidactic. What does that mean? So didactic means when someone's like basically like talking down to you and lecturing the fuck out of you. What's what's auto? Like self-taught, essentially. Okay. If you're an autodidact, it means that it seems like yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, the point, and that wasn't me mansplaining the word didactic. I was just like you know giving just, a definition, just in case anyone needs a definition, you know. And the, ironically, <laughs> this whole podcast is two men explaining things. <laughs> I was being didactic. I'm sorry, folks. It's all we could do. I was being didactic there myself. <laughs> um. Yeah. It was songs that missed the mark. Uh, songs that are like. People out of their depth as well. Yeah. Like, you don't have the one. right to do this or say this, and this doesn't reflect your real life whatsoever. Um, this is actually a lot more commercially focused. For example, right, you know, so I've got like, I've got 10, but I'm, I'm doing five, but I'm playing you six, because it's going to be, <laughs> right? Do the I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> Carry the one. Um, so in number 10, right, Green Day, American Idiot. Um, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, like, again. Huge it, album. Massive, and it was a career renaissance for them, and it was on a major label, and it was like, you know, something like, you know, don't want to be an American Idiot, don't want to be like, blah, 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 controlled by the media or new media or something. And it was, subliminal, my fucking bit. Yeah. And it's just like, but you're like a major label, like you're not, like you're, you're a toothless punk band, you know, and also, the song sucks. Um, Four Non Blondes, What's Up? Oh my God. I Which that was a protest song. Yeah, that's be, featured, right? 
and just worst songs ever or something. Well, <laughs> it would be it would be truly in my top ten worst songs of all time. Like if I was in the elevator to hell that never ended and this mm-hmm. played on loop, I'd be like, please kill me now, please do it. I'm begging you. Put a fucking railroad spike through my ear into Jesus. my brain and give me the sweet release of death. Uh, number eight. Sandy Thumb with I Wish I Was a Punk Rocker, open brackets with flowers in my hair, close brackets. Is that a protest song? I think it's a protest song. Okay. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's talking about um, countercultural movements. Yeah. I never really got that song. I didn't know what she was going for. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's, it's, up there with like the JCB song is like one of those kind of yeah, weird, wispy, one-hit wonders, you know, where it's like, what the fuck is Do this reckon doing? Ed Sheeran was bang into it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Um, number seven. Uh, this appeared on the Late Late Show in the Gay Burn era, and it was a couple of, I believe it was Irish radio DJs coming together to form the one-off group, and I'm sorry for this, but this is what they were called, Rap Against Rape... Whoa. And the song is What Did I Do Wrong? Whoa. And have you, do you don't know this? No. I didn't even cut a clip. It's mental. Okay. It's from the, I want to say late 80s, maybe early 90s. And it's like white Irish DJs being like, you know, don't go out tonight and do this. And then, you know, it's well, your fault or whatever. Like, it's, no, it's not that. It, it, like, it's being, sorry. It's, yeah. It's, I'm paraphrasing, but it's, it's meant but to be it's this. No. It's like a, it's oh, a, it's like a it's yeah. like a guide for w- young women. Yeah, I, I believe so. Oh, it, it, I thought it, they were being like you no, know. It's it, it, hang on, I'm gonna have to look, like I wasn't intending to, to get into this too much, but it's it's insane, and it's like and Gay Burns like you know these people are here tonight to you know uh, spread awareness about blah 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 blah, and it's just like it's shocking, like like it's it's truly truly shocking. It was like um. It's 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 anti rape, obviously. It's like fucking, you know. It's like it's like this is, you know. It's meant to be some kind of clever, whatever the fuck, and just raising awareness about, you know, rape is bad, etc. But it's a charity single, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I should have I should I should have taken some notes because I can't explain it. Um, it's just awful, and it it doesn't work, and it's just real kind of cringe Irish lately. What is your stuff. top five? <laughs> if this is the kind of stuff that's not making the cut, I'm telling you, like. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my, my, my top five. Sorry, I'm completely thrown. <laughs> don't I, worry about. I, I we can move on. I thought you would have heard about this before. No. Like no, no. It's so bad. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, like uh, maybe we'll put in a clip. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But it's just. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it's very bad. Right. Adam is shaking his no, head. Yeah, I think Adam's. <laughs> it was on the late late, and it was meant to be like social awareness, whatever the fuck, and meant to be like you know, uh, it was meant to be a good thing, but it was just yet another example of like this is this is a uh, you know a tone deaf. You know, well-intentioned, whatever. So, number six, <laughs> which was neck and neck at number four with another song, but I bumped this out to put another song in, and I'm going to play a clip of this, number six, right? So, this came out last year, I believe, and again, okay. this is like, this guy would vote for whatever fucking president uh, meant that he made enough money, but it, and it's completely playing to the bullshit fan base of, you know, his horrible yeah. old shtick. The guy's a coward. And this, like, I don't even, this is like a Jeremy Clarkson has opinions for money type thing. I don't even believe that this guy fully believes this, right. but he probably does as well. I think we talked about it when it came out. Uh, it's awful. Again, this isn't my number five. It's my number six bonus clip. Let's just have a quick listen to it. Years ago, we all thought it was a joke. See, that every kid got a motherfucking trophy. But yo, homie, here's a situation. A nation of is our next generation and these minions and their agendas every opinion has a millennial offended but this amendment one it rings true and if you don't descend bitch to see number two uh, 
Kid Rock. The kid. With Don't Tell Me How to Live, which was very, like, you know, lockdown. Don't step, don't tread on me. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't take away my second Amendment. Van Morrison was listening <laughs> and nodding along approvingly. <laughs> Yeah, her, absolute trash. We don't need to say much more than that. But you know, I think I think I I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that it's tongue in cheek, but it probably isn't. No, the point is number five, right? So I'll kick it off now officially, right? Uh, number five, <laughs> my list of worst protest songs. <laughs> number five, um, I gave out about rubbish, insipid, paper thin Donald Trump, anti whatever the fuck stuff. Now I hate Donald Trump as any well-meaning person should. Yeah. He's an awful, awful person who probably should have been tried in The Hague and shot to death by firing squad shortly afterwards. That didn't happen. Instead, he could very well be the next American president, which means, and that can't happen, Craig, for lots of reasons. And one big reason is I can't go through yeah. another run of getting absolute nonsense like this again. That's Million Dollar Loan by Death Cab for Cutie. And this might have been the one that broke me around the time on doing it on the show on like Songs of the Week or something, because like it's just awful. It's so proud of itself. The video has like a Donald Trump silhouette, you know, it's all moving around him. And like, again, just to clarify for any confusion here, Donald Trump's a horrible human being. I will say though Very funny man. <laughs> this, uh, I will say at least I've, at least Donald Trump has made me laugh quite a lot. Whereas ben Gibbard has never made you laugh. No. Noted side splitter Ben Gibbard. Has he made you cry? Um, there was a brief period where I thought I will follow you into the dark was a very... I hate... That was the moment I, I jumped know. off. Yeah, yeah. Because you just mentioned him being very proud of himself with that yeah. song. And that's the moment I was just like, he's being very clever here and he knows it. I had a couple of moments too. Transatlanticism is brilliant. Summer, Summer Skin's amazing. And I do love that Postal Service album. But yeah. generally, I, I find Death Cab to be like, I don't quite get it. But this is just like, oh my God. It's just like, oh man, he really got him. He really put him in his fucking sights there. No, not really. Uh, Ben Gibber put out like a statement about the song saying, lyrically, uh, it deals with a particularly tone-deaf moment in Donald Trump's ascent to the Republican nomination. When campaigning in New Hampshire, he attempted to cast himself as a self-made man, but he said he he built a fortune with just a small loan of a million dollars from his father. Uh, Wildly untrue statement, but he was so flippant about it, it truly disgusted me. Donald Trump has repeatedly demonstrated that he is unworthy of the honour and responsibility of being President of the United States of America, and in no way, shape, or form, represents what this country truly stands for. He is beneath us. Yeah, no fucking shit, mate. Like, and here's your crap coffee shop song. (laughs) It's awful. Like, there's nothing to it. He thinks it's such a clever thing to do to be like, ah, (laughs) you're a self-made man, mate, but you got a million dollars. Yeah, everyone knows this. Every, like, this is not new information. You're not, like... There's this whole fucking culture in the world of, like, someone standing up in a room or usually just putting it on Twitter and saying something blindingly obvious Mm. and people being like, thank you so much for saying that. I had no idea. It's so important that you spell that out for me. Really? Well, I think, like, the million dollar loan thing can work as a hook, but it's the fact that it then insists upon itself and then the (laughs) fact that he's... So he released a statement being like, here's why I'm being clever, which is just like the ultimate thing of like, yeah, this is this is pointless. And yeah, it's terrible. It's not the it's also not the kind of music that's really going to 
rouse the rabble. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just like no one is getting worked up over this song and doing something political. Sorry, just to follow on real quick, the rap against rape thing on Late Late. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was DJs, Hazel O'Connor, and rap dancers in the background, and it was a group that was designed to raise funds for the Rape Crisis Centre with a song that was meant to be, I guess, a bit satirical and a bit, you know, contemporary and, like, we're doing rap stuff and whatever, but it was just, like, this tone-deaf collage of nothingness and it was just awful and it's just one of those things that occasionally someone in America will see and be like, what the fuck is going on over there? And it's like, well, that's the Late Late Show, guys. That's what happens on that show. It's weird. Uh, good cause. Yeah, bad yeah. song. And this, there's no cause at all here, is there? <laughs> ben Gibbard, you were even worse. It didn't exactly <laughs> fucking stop Donald Trump from four years of terror now, did it? Now imagine it had of. <laughs> Would you have been like, okay, I don't like the tune, but... <laughs> but we wouldn't have got that amazing clip when he finds out about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh my death. God. And Blue Jean, baby. Yeah, that's the song. Plays in the background. That's, that is arsh. She just clip. died. That was the what? moment I realised we're like living in a simulation. I was like, there's no way this is existence. There's no way this is a real thing that's happening. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, can I have the original clip, please? No, no, that's the original clip. You're joking. Oh, Elton John, Tiny Dancer blaring as Elton John's on the runway and someone tells him that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died and he reacts in real time. It's stunning. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's the first I'm hearing it. It's incredible. All right, go on, go on. You talk. All right, let's get into the best and... <laughs> I will say thank you to Ben Gibbard for acting as a buffer between Kid Rock and this very worthy song where I'm just like, this would have been a complete disrespect. This is a bit more, this is heavier than a lot of the other stuff I'm going to get into, just to preface that. And it's also making up for the fact that we didn't include this in um, band songs. And I thought we did it a little disservice just because we, we missed out and there were so many options. So here we go. Blood on leaves. And blood at the road Black bodies swinging In the southern breeze Strange fruit hanging From the poplar trees at least I ended on some nice brass there to take us out. As the boys were listening to that, they were very much like, could you have picked a like, slightly more digestible <laughs> clip? And I was like, no, all the lyrics are this. The show is all about tonal shifts, isn't it? Yeah, and this is quite the shift. It's Billie Holiday. Amazing. Um, Strange Fruit. Amazing. 1939. Um, and yeah, the story around it is nearly as incredible as the performance, which is just stops you in your tracks every time. I saw it described this week as... Um, a radioactive song which is like totally works for me it's just like it hasn't its power is still completely there it's a tough listen it's beautiful but it's violent and um, yeah just thinking of like obviously we all know the context of the song uh, about lynchings in the south and across America at the time um, people talking about how it kick started the kind of civil rights movement to a large extent but imagine at the time actually hearing this song for the first time and not knowing where she was going with the imagery of the strange fruit and the kind of the lynchings and the hangings and all that kind of stuff um, pretty incredible but the story around it yeah like it was banned kind of pretty much everywhere radio stations um, Columbia which was Billie Holiday's label refused to release it she was kind of like heckled and chased out of venues the first time it was played I think was New York Cafe Society which was a bit more integrated of a place and people were silent apparently for minutes afterwards and then started applauding and it was a kind of huge deal but this got her on like the radar of this horrific head of um, the Federal Bureau of Narcotics uh, what was his name uh, I can't even uh, yeah Harry Anslinger 
who basically hounded her for like the rest of her life and like got um, agents to tailor her shows and try and catch her because she had a she was suffering um, from a drug habit habit and she ended up being jailed for like over a year for it just because he didn't quite like this song and he didn't like black people. Um, kind of ruined her life along with a, a lot of other things, but it was a very very important moment and. We can't really have that much fun talking about this song, so we can move on. But like, no, it's, no, yeah. no, hang on. Well, it's like, like the whole point of this top five is to try and be like, you know, like if I'm going hard on this is hilarious or this is bad, uh, this is a good chance to hail an incredible moment, not just in music history, but in history. I mean, and also, yeah. and I'll be the guy. I'll be honest. I had never heard this song until I heard, of course, oh, Blood, the Kanye Blood on the Leaves on Yeezus, which, by the way, was like the Kanye. Uh, my, my voice went very Irish there. The Kanye, <laughs> the Kanye album that fucking made me go, wait a minute. I, I've been running from this guy and I've found him annoying and I've had some stuff here and there, but now I'm all in. I know some people hate that album. I think it's amazing. It's and piece, yeah. this song is unbelievable. Because, like, yeah, look, like again, like, I've said this a million times, not apologetically, because I adore new metal, but I'm a new metal kid. Uh, unfortunately, the classics passed me by. And we were stopped in our tracks with that clip there. And yeah. everything you're saying is of incredible historical interest. And I would like to hear a bit more about it, if you don't mind. I think the performance is just like the main thing. It's like you raise that really good point of like some people that attempt these songs just aren't quite up to it and they, you know, shouldn't be attempting this kind of material. Her expression on it's just like she transforms every song she sings. It's very clipped. It's unflinching. The production is really pared back. It sounds kind of eerie and alien and you're just, it kind of, uh, the, it, the treatment of it doesn't feel human. And just that juxtaposition with the lyrics, which are so, won't go into it, some of the imagery, but it's that thing of just like black people, even in debt, not being given dignity and still being seen as like described as a kind of crop and something to be used by nature then, even past the kind of indignation of slavery. And it's, it doesn't give you a second. You're kind of breathless for the whole thing. And because of all those reasons, it's not something that you'll just stick on on a Sunday afternoon and chill out. But when it comes on, yeah, it stops you in your tracks. Yeah, no, it's it's a genuine work of art and should be all the more appreciated for it. And, you know, that's like, this is the thing. Like, like when I rail against the protest song, it's because I'm like, it should stop your fucking heart, yeah, yeah. right? Like, it should mean the world and something like this does. Yeah. Now, number four for me. <laughs> 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 on the worst side of things, I'm so delighted to present this song because I only heard this song for the first time two days ago and I thought it was this that powerful. It had to go in and dislodge Kid Rock out because this is unbelievable. Um, okay, so, and now, with a cut from his debut album, let's go. Okay, uh, where to begin? That is Sting with a song called Russians. <laughs> Sting, the artist formerly known as the police. <laughs> <laughs> Sting, right? 
Sting, right? <laughs> the song's called Russians. It's from his debut album, which is called The Dream of the Blue Turtles. Which we've, yeah. We talked about in Divorce Core, a different song, a completely different song. But yeah. Released in June 1985, it's a commentary and a plea that criticizes the Cold War foreign policy <laughs> and the doctrine of mutual assured destruction by the US and the then existing Soviet Union. And as you can hear at the end there, if we include the full clip, we may not for, you know, rights purposes, but like, I hope we do because it starts off with him re- re- referencing Oppenheimer's deadly toy, which is, oh, wow. Uh, and it ends up him being like, I hope the Russians love their children too. And it's like, they're people as well. You have to understand. Yeah, he's yeah. doing the thing. He's doing the 360 thing where he's like, everyone's got a, you know, we're all human, aren't we? More in common with than that which divides us. Um, yeah. Terrible song. And it, I guess it was a hit. I mean, like, played at the Grammys. People seem to like it. Um, he's tapping into a conflict that he isn't involved in, of course. But it's terrible. And it's so earnest. It's Sting. That's what he does. Um, this is a quote, which is kind of funny. Um, and it's from 2010. He said that like the song was inspired by watching Soviet television um, when he was at Columbia University. He said, I had a friend at university who invented a way to steal the satellite signal from Russian TV. That's amazing. We'd have a few beers <laughs> and climb this tiny staircase to watch Russian television. At that time of night, we'd only get children's Russian TV, like their version of Sesame Street. I was impressed with the care and attention that they gave to children's programs. I regret our current enemies haven't got the same ethics, says Sting. Jeepers. There you go. Um, it, of course, uh, uses stuff by Sergei Prokayev. Uh, there's snippets from Soviet news broadcast. He went all in. It's communications from uh, the Apollo Soyuz mission as well. Um, it's just so over the top and heart on the sleeve, pumping blood the way Sting does. I was stopped in my tracks by it. A part of me at one stage was like, I could see why this could be considered good. You could probably do something with it, but it's ridiculous. His voice is so funny. But here's, oh the, here's the real thing that stood out to me, and I was blown away by this. In an interview just last year, James Cameron, right? Mm-hmm. Avatar sensation James Cameron. <laughs> Avatar 2 sensation James Cameron. He, and soon to be 3, 4, and possibly 5. Yeah. Um, he said that this song... It's his favorite song of all time. Inspired him to create the character of John Connor <laughs> in the Terminator, in Terminator 2. So thank you, Sting. Yeah. He said, I remember sitting there once high on E. <laughs> Maybe the explanation's here. I remember sitting there once high on E, writing notes for Terminator, and I was struck by Sting's song, that I hope the Russians love their children too line. And I thought, you know what? The idea of a nuclear war is just so antithetical to life itself. That's where that kid, John Connor, came from. What That's f- what it took for that penny to drop. Like what this is <laughs> this is grown men having like a pi- the most simplistic epiphanies of all time. It's crazy, right? I mean, Sting geez. re-recorded an acoustic version of the song with Arnold Schwarzenegger this year, right. in response to, of course, the ongoing of Russian invasion of Ukraine ahead of his time. With protests going to humanitarian medical aid, fair enough. Uh, he said, "I never a thought the song Sting. would be relevant again." But in the light of one man's bloody and woefully misguided decision to invade a peaceful and threatening neighbour, the song is, once again, a plea for our common humanity. (laughs) Save us, Sting. Wow. Okay, so that dreadfulness gave us something beautiful. Terminator 2. And my number four is something that's incredible that probably gave us something terrible in American Idiot. Now, this is a protest song. 
that includes references to Big Brother in 1984 and takes aim at, like, those liberal types. And yet it's a masterpiece. Here we go. I am Governor Cherry Brown. I are a smile that never frowns. Soon I will be president. Out of power, I'll sink away. I will be pure one day. I will come and all of you. Your kids will meditate. Your kids will meditate. California, Oberalis. California, Liberals suck. It's <laughs> Dead Kennedys back in 81, I think. California Uber Allas. Um, and yeah, reading the Wikipedia on this one this week, it's like, this caused quite a, like a mild stir in the Bay Area. Um, people were wondering why um, Jello Biafra, the frontman of Dead Kennedys, who was known for his far left views and kind of politicking, was taking aim at Governor Jerry Brown, who was just like, wanting to like you know already on top of environmentalism and climate stuff and was like a peace and love democrat guy and basically he just kind of hates hippies as much as he hates right wingers and um it's just such a tremendous song like the lyrics are so good he was a bit of a genius they had an amazing run dead kennedys are one of those bands where i'm like Every time I dip in and start listening to their stuff, I'm like, I should be listening to them all the time. They were a hugely important kind of American hardcore punk band. Uh, they had a great run up until about 86. Um, but yeah, I guess you have to be in the right kind of mood. I do think the, the one Dead Kennedys album I had was the compilation, which is like, give me convenience or give me debt, which is basically slagging off the people that would buy said album, which I didn't realize at the time when I got it as like a 14 year old. And I believe the CD probably cost like, 30 quid. Remember CDs used to be insanely pr- pricey. Like I'll, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I paid 23 Irish pounds pre-euro for Stains Break the Cycle <sighs> on American Import Compact Disc in HMV you. Dublin. Grafton Street, I believe. Um, but it contains stuff I'd like do this. do it again. <laughs> totally worth it. Um, Dead Kennedy's sustained of their day. And yeah, like I love it, like taking the perspective of Jerry Brown. I love it being like, this is kind of Nazism. It's very, very funny, which I think it, it it's, is why it kind of works. Um, like by the third verse, you're talking about like the suede denim secret police turning up um, for your uncool niece, which is just great. And their sound was so good, like those surf guitars, the drums, like that tribal intro is incredible. I think it was their first drummer, Ted, who like lasted one album and then he went off to become an architect not a sonic architect an actual one oh my god Adam I can leave the room if you want to have a if you want to have a quick quiet word with Craig that'll be fun yeah sonically I mean this is kind of American idiot like it just dawned on me when I was listening back to it except brilliant and so so good no one can do what they do the way that they do it yeah but I also think like if you release this song now, people will just be like, why are you going at, like, what's wrong with Jerry? Like, Jerry Brown was, I think, governor of California from 70, like, the mid-70s until the early 80s. Then he, like, went away, and he was governor of California up until, like, two years ago. He had, like, another eight-year stint. Um, but I just don't think you'd get away with these kind of lyrics now um, from 
What get away with it? How? Like from who? I just there'd be Twitter. Uh, absolutely. Like, yeah, I think there'd be uproar on Twitter about like you can't compare <laughs> hippies to fascists, and if you if you compare anyone to Hitler now, you can't. You just can't do it. This is hilarious. It's great. He's clearly on the right side. He just finds the hippiedom of California and probably actually the hypocrisy of it because he was extremely far left and he's a huge activist that still does a lot of kind of um, work in that area. Very. Um, patronizing and very fake and I think you kind of can't really pick at that kind of stuff anymore yeah that's true yeah and Twitter especially will be very much like you know I'm literally just seeing tweets even say being like you know oh like you're making that film about Marilyn Monroe and like you know it's it's gonna have like things in it that like aren't like nice <laughs> shut the fuck up yeah yeah and of course, when I say you can't, you can't do that. You can't say that kind of stuff anymore. Of course, you can. People can just be, are entitled to just get annoyed. No, art stuff, shouldn't but challenge just, me. Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. I want everyone to be nice. I want every fucking character in every book I read or show I watch or film I pay money to to just be nice and be sound to each other. Yeah. I don't want a bad guy, someone who kills. No, yeah. fuck off. Yeah, I kind of want this, like, I want this guy who will try and run for president under the Green Party's banner, but also will write a song that annoys his San Francisco mates. Yeah, you know no, I mean? fairness, you know, like, you know, again, I know I'm veering dangerously close there to, to snowflake territory, a word that I don't use, a word that I do hate, but there are bad things. There are bad things in the world. For example, my number three. <laughs> Walk on the rainbows like leprechauns, the world could be one big blarney stone. It is, of course, The Look of the Irish by John and Yoko. Mm. John Lennon and Yoko Ono, two artists, Craig, who I know that you, you love, and we, we have said before on the show, myself included, that Yoko Ono gets a lot more hate than she deserves and has for many, many years, and it's not fair. But yeah. what are they doing, Craig, with The Look of the Irish? Um, this is kind of like... You know, people that have Irish ancestry, the secondhand cringe of them kind of trying to lean into that, even if they can be cool and right on in other areas. Just like, Beatles protest stuff can be brilliant, but when John or Paul tried to do it, my God. Like, Paul fared better. He had, what, Give Ireland Back to the Irish, but it's a terrible, terrible <laughs> yeah. song. Like, and this is just, this is insulting. Yeah, like, it what is, were they at? It like, is insulting. It's about the Troubles, of course, yeah. and it's basically them being like, you know, it's give peace a chance, but like, yeah. let's, let's Irishify it. And again, you can tell the intention is there. You can tell that, like, it's well-meaning and it's, let's just give the world a hug but it's every wrong decision, isn't yeah. it? Like, and it starts off being like, you know, ah, oh, you think it's tough being British, but the Irish, <laughs> they have it real bad, and also it's kind of our fault. And it's like, eh, yeah, you're, you're right there. That is correct, but uh, you shouldn't be singing this song. It's just, it's all. I, I, I was, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe that it exists. I, how was it received? Is what I want to know. Oh I mean, yeah, at the time. I mean, not well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe at the time it was like any support we can get kind of vibe John Lennon biographer Philip Norman said that the sentiments expressed by the look of the Irish were even more extreme than those of Sunday Bloody Sunday compared the song's sarcasm to working class hero but felt that the song was let down by the lyrically cliched folk <laughs> protest yeah. form 
Um, yeah, uh, it was described um, by uh, a journalist called Robin Denzelo as downright insulting. Uh, another journalist said it was a, a failure. Yeah, because like, the line is like, if you had the look of the Irish, you'd wish you were English instead. It's like, I know what you're going for. That is kind of, uh, you know, don't hang your hat on that, but it's okay. I Like, it's an okay <sighs> sentiment. I mean, people did like it, though. Um, people thought, thought it was nice. It had nice melodies. Gorgeous and underrated, said some people. Impressive if flawed. Um, and then there's other people saying that it's uh, inadvertently, but nonetheless racist. Um, so, and it is. It's it's very much like, no, 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 I can solve this. Yeah. I'm privileged and, you know, I, I, I'm a man and woman of the world. And, you know, like let's just, it's 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 too naive, right? It's It's just way too naive yeah. to the point of, You'd like to think that surely there was an Irish friend in their midst. It was like, don't do this. Oh, they're definitely, yeah, they're definitely was. Please don't do this. Nobody wants it, especially us. Obstinate and naive. And these were the couple that thought like doing a bed in would like solve all the world's. And like she has a song, you know, Woman is the N word of the world. Yeah. But without using the N word as the, you know, it's the actual full word. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, again, I'm sure you're. Well, that's a, that's a Lennon song, isn't it? It's not, not isn't a Yoko a song. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. I um, think you wrote it about. I'm not sure if Yoko's on it. I've never actually listened to it, weirdly enough. I think it's on this album. <laughs> I, I think I think this is what the album. What album was this? What year was this? 76? I want to 72. Okay. Sorry. 72. Okay. Um, He'd. He just released his best kind of solo stuff and this was when the well ran dry for a good few years, I so think. So there's an album called Sometime in New York City. Yeah, that is the one album that's absolutely panned part of the solo stuff. Part studio, part live, double album, double album by John Lennon and Yoko Ono. It's the Plastic Ono band. Okay, so sorry, it was Plastic 16 Ono. 16 tracks, so this is on here, so is Sunday Bloody Sunday and it's like, um, it opens with Woman is the N-Word of the World which apparently was the lead single. Oh my God. <laughs> like, and again, it's the Practice. 70s, Buckaroo. Um, but it definitely sparked controversy, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it just feels like a big swing. Phil Spector, produ- producer on, on on these as well. Imagine those sessions. Bad song. Oh, let's go to something good. Something a bit more recent, something a bit more with it. Let's go to Brooklyn. <laughs> we are travelled by yourself. Courts 2018 um, Total Football we were kind of mulling over maybe doing a football or sports thing this week so this probably might have featured as well but it is actually more of a protest song it's not really about football it's you know Jaws isn't about the shark kind of stuff um, sorry what? yeah you know that thing of like the movie Jaws isn't really about a shark it's about yeah, what no, it's clearly about a shark Craig I mean, there's a shark in it, but I mean, how much is he really in it? And is it not more about, like, you know, society? And I'm unwilling to have these jewel reads of things. Oh, it's about the shark. I will say the sequels are very much about the shark. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but this is about um, retaining autonomy while still having some form of collective action that makes life better for people. And it's using the concept of Total Football, Dave, which I know you're a fan of. Oh, which are, Weren't you going to name a band IX95? I talked about this, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would have been I, the I, best I, band I, name I, ever. I wish I named my old band IX95. Yeah, yeah, tremendous. But just, yeah, that idea of like every player on the team can fill, you know, every role on the pitch and work together. 
And this is a really spirited opening to Wide Awake, which I think is a tremendous, trem- tr- tremendous album from Parquet Court. You love this band. So good. Yeah, and it's only kind of growing. I feel like they're kind of, a, at this stage, they're like a modern pavement. They're like the closest thing we have to pavement, even though pavement are kind of back together, but they're not doing new stuff. Um, Sodom of Primavera, and they were great, but they didn't play this. They didn't play Tenderness. They didn't play... Light Up <laughs> so Gold. And it was like, yeah, it was one of those things where it's just like... Yeah, of course they're not playing the stuff that people want them to play and they're just doing slightly weird stuff. And, and festival kind of, yeah, in Spain. But, but you know, they're kind of spiky and they're like, they don't give a fuck and they hate the audience. <laughs> and like, I interviewed um, A Savage back in 2014, I think. Um, did a phoner with him and I was going away on holiday, I think to New York or something like that, but it had to be in Mad Quick or something. So it was given to an intern to transcribe. Oh, yeah. I'm saying that all just to <laughs> Dave's looking at me there. I never once asked an intern to do anything in terms of transcription or any of that kind of, but sometimes I would be forced to hand over my work. I, for so the, con- could for be the full context for here, yeah, listener, yeah. <laughs> and again, if you go to patreon.com slash noancore, you can in fact get two Q&A episodes in which uh, we talk a lot about Hot Press. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm really get into it um i had to do a lot of transcription work there as an intern for other journalists craig not being one of them and it was a dangerous precedent and i was very like annoyed about it and then a couple of times in through pure overworked circumstance in your defense on rare occasions craig would have like this craig's working out to pass off to someone else yeah yeah you'd, you'd be very reluctant about it and i'd give you a glare you know do you know what? If I was an intern, I would have been like, this is interesting. <laughs> to be fair, it was. It was yeah. interesting, but it was just frustrating when you also wanted to do, just walk your own path. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. I learned, I, learned, I learned more transcribing some of those interviews than I learned in fucking college, much like the whole Hot Press experience. But for more and how it all went so, so, so sour, <laughs> patreon.com. I ended on great terms. <laughs> you did end on great terms. I'm still on good terms with them, kind of, here and there. Yeah. Love Stuart um, Clark forever. Stuart Clark is an amazing man. Uh, these are amazing bands, but yeah... <laughs> Back to that interview, I was like, this interview went really well. I really enjoyed the chat. He was a kind of, um, uh, again, yeah, spiky artist, I guess, and kind of like would challenge you when you asked a question, but it made for That's a really good, interesting though. conversation. Yeah, that, can, that can be good. Um, but yeah, I remember getting back and like thanking um, the intern for the work and stuff, and they were like, yeah, it came out really well. Your man was an absolute dickhead. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how you got through that interview. And I was like, well, that was one of the better interviews I've done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know what that says about my interviewing skills. <laughs> but yeah, um, he seems very single-minded, and he is a tremendous writer, and he puts so much into the lyrical content. It's just so dense. This is like a manifesto. Uh, the hooks are tremendous. It's a hardcore song in the middle, wedged between these two other slices of things, which is really tremendous and I'm fascinated by this it's a really energizing song I'm I'm not you know a completely confirmed Marxist by any means (laughs) but I'm like you know as much as we're talking about Ben Gibber doing kind of very lily livered stuff and you know a lot of the unconvincing um liberal stuff you can hear when I hear a song like this I'm like fucking yeah maybe the system doesn't work as much as like capitalism has given me Top Gun Maverick which I will see <laughs> twice and maybe and, like I'm watching you know Pete Mitchell up there and I'm like yes the system does work <laughs> oh my god <laughs> then I put on Total Football I'm like no fucking off with their heads maybe not Tom Cruise because I want to yeah. see I mean you know, to be you... fair Craig I think I think we can say categorically the system does not work yeah well yeah yeah I, 
Capitalism I didn't is not mean a good total thing. football, but it helps <laughs> to have that reminder. It's a bad thing, right? I've got I've got a little clip of the ending because I think it's one of the great endings of songs. Let's hear it. Okay, it just ends so well. I just love the fuck Tom Brady there down at the end because he does represent that American bullshit of like you know not gonna watch the Netflix the series that's making arm then now I'll watch that stuff Will you? yeah okay. you know I'll watch that series Top Gun Maverick again yeah, yeah. the whole shebang um, you've you've given me a hard act to follow I'm sure you can do it this song definitely can't here's my number two. It's Michael Jackson, everybody, and it's Earth Song, a song that Adam yeah. says should be in the best list. And it could well be. <laughs> oh my God, you do not, do you? No, I don't. Okay. It's Earth Song. I mean, listen, I will accept that it is certainly ambitious and that it's massively produced and it's an epic, but I think it goes back to that word I've already used. It's didactic. It's the most didactic song, isn't it? I mean, it's full-blown savior complex. It's, this is the thing. This is Michael Jackson painting himself as Jesus, and it's insane. Uh, it was a hit, of course. Um, it's a ballad that incorporates elements of blues, gospel, and opera. He describes the dire situation that mankind has caused, ranging from war to devastations what to animals, <laughs> the earth itself, calling on people to remember the earth is their inheritance from God, uh, all that kind of stuff, and we're all in big trouble. Now, don't get me wrong. Was he wrong? No, absolutely not. He was correct. Mm -hmm. It is bad, and it's only gotten worse in the, I want to say, 20 years or whatever it's been since it was released was 95 95 95 so 27 years yeah Jesus and yeah it's only gotten worse and, and we're all fucked and we're doomed and we know this and we can't seem to stop it but you know fuck Michael Jackson uh, the point is uh, Jarvis Cocker didn't like it of no. course we talked about this recently on the very fun top 5 award show moments episode please go check that out but Jarvis Cocker um he had the same pain that we did. He said that, you know, he, of course, he ran up on the Brit Awards and, like, you know... Wiggled his bum, essentially, and yeah, then didn't know yeah, what like, to do. Didn't chased. know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Caused a scene. Yeah. Made the papers uh, and tried to derail the performance because he was sitting there and he couldn't take it anymore. He said that he found the performance offensive, claiming that Michael Jackson had portrayed himself as a Christ-like figure yeah. and could do as he pleased because of his immense wealth and power. Um, and he said that his actions weren't personally against Jackson himself, just the performance, which I enjoyed. <laughs> I admire him as a performer. He can dance. Anyone invents the moonwalk is all right by me said Jarvis Cocker apparently um, no but like it's just it's too much wasn't it it, it was the it's it's funny because actually I, I meant to save this word up for my number one because it's about hubris my number one is I think one of the most hubristic okay. things ever but so is this this is the height of Michael Jackson and it's look it's Tom Cruise being like, you know, if, if, <laughs> if, Cruise, if, if yeah. someone is in a car accident I can help more than an EMT no you can't mate the trained medical professional is the one I would trust as much as if I love God you. Much as I love you and talk God about Maverick. God forbid you were in, or any of us were in a car accident, right? And you're kind of 
you're upside down, you're kind of confused, discombobulated, right? <laughs> and you look out the window, the kind of bash window, no one's around. And then you see a figure running towards you. Yeah. And a certain... It's uh, Tom Cruise. I, I recognise that run. <laughs> yeah. I've seen I that run. I recognise that run anywhere. <laughs> so fast. He's there in the blink of eye. And what is, how do you react? If Tom Cruise is there. Do you there, feel safe? Do you feel confused? Do you I, feel, I, oh God, he's not going to ring an ambulance. I feel, like, <laughs> I, I feel like I've got the best story of my entire life, if indeed my life can be saved. Yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to be saved from a burning car wreck by Tom Cruise. Who wouldn't? Um, I don't so you're to... admitting that he's he can save you? No, no, no. The, the, if if there was also a fucking ambulance on the scene, I would prefer. I'm sure he'd the... be like, "Listen, guys, I don't... <laughs> it's going to take too long. I've got, I've got I've operation. Got I've, got, I've got this." Uh, Earth Song is obviously a huge, big pop number. I guess that's why Adam likes it. Presumably, the production of it as well. It's huge, and I, I can see it. I can see like you know, like getting into it. But I just, I had a natural resistance to this, not to the message of it but to the me- the way the message was uh conveyed and to me it was just like i'm i'm god yeah worship me yeah i think he'd lost it even though creatively at this point because um there is a kind of inherent quality maybe to it like just in most of his stuff it's it's never absolutely dreadful but he'd just become such a caricature even in the way he sings like he was just falling back on those tropes he'd constantly use I don't like 90s Jackson this was was this on the history compilation I think it was like yeah. the single from that yeah. and like part of the promotion of that was just like he floated like a giant statue of like his like a, basically a bust of his upper torso down like the Thames <laughs> like it was all this kind of stuff going on on from a motor, so he just he left the building like how terrifying would that have been oh you're going gosh, to work on the tube the you emerge and there it is I'm probably not that environmentally friendly no absolutely fucking not you know what I mean no so, hypocrite <laughs> uh, now it's my number two ladies and gentlemen please stand for the national anthem this time Specials with Ghost Town had to be there. Such an incredible piece of work. Kind of out of nowhere. A massive hit as well, incredibly. Um, the last thing I believe the, the original lineup of the specials ever recorded, they were like, they had the classic debut. Um, they had more specials, which was great as well, did really well. The band was falling apart. And Jerry Dammers, who was the main songwriter at the time, begged the group to kind of hold it together to like complete his masterwork it's real shades of like Beach Boys and Brian Wilson just trying to create his kind of symphony before it all kind of uh, unravels completely Um, and he said like Jerry Dammers has said this is kind of on one level about the band falling apart and the hopelessness of that but also it's of course it's about urban decay (laughs) and unemployment and unrest and it's you know um Thatcher's Britain really taking hold and just um, they were from Coventry it was a city in massive decline because of Thatcher and the Tories and kind of what's new but it was just across the board 
wasn't great in Ireland either because of her. And how many years of the Tories has Britain had now at this point? It's probably like a, another decade and things aren't going so well. I don't know if you've seen any of those clips of like the um, the leadership kind of debate. Oh, from this week? <laughs> She's in and yeah. I just saw, like, I saw the, the, the zoom in of what I thought was a on-screen graphic and it turns out it was in fact two human beings. <laughs> Uh, who were real people. I was like, what the fuck? And of course, I heard rather than saw the person collapsing. Oh, yeah. The sound effect of that. Yeah, horrific. Was unbe- it was like Mick Foley coming off the fucking hell in the cell through the table. It was unbelievable. Uh, apart from that, no, I didn't spend my week watching the next fucking conservative leadership. Oh, there's, like, but there's like two minute clips where it's just like, of course, because they're trying to be like, well, I'm going to fix things. It's just if the Labour Party in the UK was any use, this is just fodder for like ever where it's just like, you've been in government for how long? And you're just like, the country's an absolute mess. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, I'm the only one who can save the day. Anyway, what's, yeah, yeah. what's the sad thing about this song is just how fitting it still feels. It feels like this got a plight of bloody Dublin at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, really could. And it's just... It's really disorienting in the music. It's like so it. eerie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's haunting. Like, it's like a horror movie. I've never on. enjoyed it, but I don't think it's an enjoyable song, right? Well, you can sink into it, though. It's such a kind of vibe yeah. that you just get. It's it's more intoxicating than enjoyable, I guess. I guess. Reference to death as well. It's, you know, pops up and everything from, of course, Father Father Ted. Ted, Snatch <laughs> yeah. and lots of other things. No, it's clearly a, a work of art, but like some art can be a little bit too challenging. Yeah, but it's kind of incredible that this got to number one, right? It was, <laughs> did I make a note of, yeah, it was, it came out in June, it's summertime, and it was at number one for three weeks. Imagine, sound of the summer, it was this, like summertime that's how big it was. Inhumanity, that shows yeah. kind of how bad things were, that people were like, this is what I'm vibing with, do you know what I mean? Jesus. Just really fits the kind of times, and um, just doing a bit of reading on it this week. Because, of course, like, um, the specials specialising in ska and two-tone and, like, kind of dance songs. And they were songs that would get played in clubs. And that's what got them such a huge audience. And um, someone was there at the time was just like, well, yeah, what can you do with this song? I mean, it was being played in clubs, but, like, you can't dance to it. It's not like an end of the kind of nice, like, romantic song. And what people did was, like, all the kind of the kids in the club would just stand there kind of, like, hypnotised and belt out the lyrics, like, really annoyed. <laughs> like, it became this moment of, like, quiet protest at the end of a night of a club. And she's like, Jesus Christ, you don't really have that stuff anymore. No. And it could kind of, you know, kind of deal with it. But yeah, incredible. Special's amazing. Okay. Um, time for my number one worst protest song of all time. Can you guess it? It was straight in. Straight in with a bullet. Straight in with a bullet. And it hasn't been picked in some other category before. No, like a but worst. we've talked about it before at length, infamously on this show. Out of my misery. Uh, it's recent. It's homegrown. Oh, is it Brian McFadden? No, no, no. It's the other great orator that this country has produced. It is the biggest misguided swing and a miss, and yet... So many people think it's a modern classic and it just, it just upsets me, Craig. Okay. Here's the worst protest song of all time. And I could cry.
I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but it's time again, I'm sorry, to throw Andrew Hodgeburn <laughs> under the bus. I mean, I can't believe it, but also, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hozier and it's Nina Cried Power from 2018. Again, if uh, if you missed it, go back to an episode called New World Order on the No Encore podcast. And in the first 15 minutes or so, it's me, you, Cullum and Dahi yeah. losing our fucking minds over what was then had been released the night before Nina Cried Power. This was the first single of Wasteland Baby released in September 2018. It has Mavis Staples on it and it is a it's a like it's the ultimate one, isn't it? Because it's basically it's not protesting any one thing. Yeah. It's protesting everything. And it's an ode to protest songs in and of itself and protesters and people who've written all these incredible songs and people who do incredible work and that's the point of it. And that's well intentioned. Mm. Fair play to him. He has always seemed to, for the most part, apart from that one time when he tweeted consent is sexy and had to apologize for it, he's generally struck the right chord with the public. He is, of course, as Una Malali christened him, the bard of the risen people. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he's good egg. He's good egg. He's good egg. This is a terrible song. Um, it's so cynical. It's yeah. so hubristic. And of course, perhaps, you know, I mean, like, best summed up by the video which, <laughs> again, my favorite thing about that whole uh, thing that we did when we destroyed it because we couldn't yeah. help it. The video, if you somehow haven't seen it, is uh, people are in a room, one, it's shots of them, and they're in like what appears to be some kind of you know rear projection room or something, and they have like all kinds of colors and stuff. They've got headphones on. And it's lots of activists, you know, Sinead Burke, Eamon McCann, uh, uh, who invented Repeal? What's her name? The, the, Anna Cosgrave, mm, the jumpers. Um, Stephen Ray is in there. It's a who's who. Um, <laughs> and what are they doing, Dave? Th- so they've headphones on, right? Yeah. And they're listening to something. Yeah. And they all look very solemn. Mm. And eventually some of them start, their eyes start to burn with tears and mm. it's a big moment. And you're thinking, what could it be? What could they be listening to, or perhaps watching? It must be something big, right? It's this song. It's 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 Hozier's song. It's not like that scene in the Clockwork Orange where it's being forced on them, and nope. they're yeah. Uh, Colin McGorman's there. Um, it's it's it's, it's this it's this song. And again, I'll hubristic. never forget that moment. I'm taking back the good egg thing. No good egg does that. Nah, he seems like a nice guy. No, I mean, like I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> this will not stand. He does seem like a nice okay, guy. One strike against him. But, You're still all right. Um, I'll never forget on that episode when, like, you know. Colm didn't realise that that's what, that's what was happening oh, yeah. and we were like it's this song and Colm was like oh come on no and we're like it is like, <laughs> and I get it you know like you're trying to because the whole thing the whole song was meant to be like it's a thank you to everyone who's ever stood up and fought for something and mattered and that's great but to do it to your own song yeah. is beyond the pale and the song itself I'm sorry like it's Hozier by numbers it's it's well produced I suppose I mean it sounds big Mavis Staples sounds good because it's Mavis Staples but it's just shite like it's it's it's, it's crap it's about nothing yeah, it's about that's nothing the thing. he has nothing to say and this is the classic Hozier problem well, one of many classic Hozier problems you know it's like you know it's like I'm sorry about this naked robbery of you know fucking blues music blues music for some rich white boy from Enniscary that like for some reason people seem to think is like the reinvention of blues itself um, I don't know I don't get it that album is so fucking boring most of his music is so fucking boring Take Me to Church is alright I suppose it has a video that has nothing to do with the song that everyone seemed to think was the greatest thing of all time and you know fair enough but like I just will never quite get it I don't begrudge him 
it's all good, man. Have mm. your career. It's you but know this, we just, this is this is this is nonsense. When we talk about strange fruit at the top of my list, and that works because it's about something so specific and horrific, and it's from an artist that is ingrained in that, and it's a really important moment. And Hosier is obviously paying homage to a lot of those kind of moments. Um, you know, admirably, we're, we're all on the same wavelength there. But when you do it in a song that has a kind of vague thing of like crying power and it becomes this homogenous thing of just like, aren't they all great? And But what are we really talking about? Because maybe there's different issues that are at play and I'm kind of not involved. And it sounds like it could be used in an ad for like The Gathering or something. Oh, yeah. Do you know 100%. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it just becomes watered down and... It's not about anything. I mean, like, like, and what I would ask you is, like, like in the four years since its release, and it is almost four full years. What did it do? What did the song do? What did oh, it, what change did it bring yeah, about? What, what, what did it do? Like, what did it? Actually I mean, it gave do? us material, um, <laughs> endless material. Like, is it's this the lean pain of protest song? Um, I feel like, like, I, I always find myself in this position now because I feel kind of bad because, again. He doesn't, I like, he's so anodyne that I'm like, there's nothing to dislike there, really. Uh, I've read interviews with him before, and it's like, yeah, like, I think you know that you're a bit boring, and that's fine. You can be whatever. Like, you, like, you can be, like, you know, whatever. You don't have to be, be, be what you are. That's all good. But, you know, and people love him. That's great. But, like, it's just it's so a, uncompelling. It's a very kind of Bono-ish song. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. Isn't it? Because, like, yeah. Bono loves an El Tribute to his heroes, and, yeah. like, what was the, what was that song they did with Rick Rubin? Adam should know this. It was like a standalone single that came out like with a compilation and it was them. The video was them. It was actually a way better video concept because it was clips of all the bands and artists they loved over the years pulled together. And then you'd see like the band in the audience. You'd see the edge just like he was an audience member. Oh, wow. like Bono, Which was kind of cool. But it was a sappy, it was like this vibe. It was um, uh, Window in the Sky or something like that. It's about the power of music essentially. No, I was before No Lion because, yeah, Rick Rubin was kind of dropped then, Adam. Uh, do you remember it wasn't working out? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's their problem. <laughs> that is their problem. I think, yeah, Rick wanted them to actually write songs. And they were like, <laughs> no, our process is we go into the studio and, like, trash it out for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as well, like, this is also, like, the lead single of your new album. I'm like, uh, your second album. Mm. I'm like, really? You're, you're going to this well? Windows Skies, thank you. What was it called? Windows in the Sky. Window, Window in the Skies, skies. yeah. But like the Hoji thing, right? I mean, like this is the lead singer for your second album. Really? You're going there now? Like like this is this is if you run out of road already? I mean you probably have, but like I mean, there's only so many blues songs you can rip off. But I mean ultimately here's the thing, right? I just find this to be really um, borderline offensive. Like I mean like like it truly is. Like it's just like it's like I get it, you know, but like it's 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 really empty and hollow. And I don't think it means to be. I'm sure he believes it. And mm. I think he's trying to do a good thing. And like I say, I'll keep saying it. Till I'm, I'm, I protest too much here. But like, you know, apart from playing like fucking weird Victoria's Secret fucking gigs and shelling, selling out for Amazon. I mean, like, you know, he seems like an all right guy. And ultimately, as far as I'm concerned, right? I, I love that, like, <laughs> the list of accusations keeps building just with the occasional proviso of, you're a good guy, though. <laughs> Seems like an all right guy. A good guy, yeah. And I should say, if anyone's upset it's really... about this selection or any of my selections, guys, I'm just exercising my right to protest. Dave cried power. Um... <laughs> All right, my number one. This is so enjoyable and catchy and poppy that you kind of feel like it should signify nothing really, but actually it's packed with meaning. <laughs> Here's my number one. 
Costello, Oliver's Army, um, with the ultimate, the Brits are at it again song. <laughs> this is how you do a song about the Troubles and about a bunch of stuff. Mainly, I think it was based on his trips to um, Northern Ireland when he was younger because he's got um, grandparents from there and seeing, like at the height of the Troubles and seeing like the British Army on the streets with automatic weapons and realizing they were just like teenage kids themselves and being like, well, this is just like a way to get the working class to do your dirty work and there's no winners here in this um sitting on getting into lean pain again. But um, <laughs> he comes up with this song that's like at the height of punk. It was released in 78. I think it got to number two for for uh it was his biggest ever hit. But it's just like when there's so many like I could have gone with clash songs are very righteous, angry songs that sound like you would expect them to sound. And what he's doing is this very lyrically dense, very emotional thing about the futility of war and empire building. Um, But it's set to like an ABBA tune. (laughs) It's just so joyous. And that chorus is great. Like for years, I didn't really know what the chorus was about. I didn't twig the Oliver's Army thing of like was a reference to Oliver Cromwell Mm -hmm. and the horrors visit upon the Irish. And I kind of across the world... But it's just like, it blows me away every time. I think it's one of the greatest songs ever written. Um, People don't really talk about Elvis Costello that much anymore. Um, I think his initial run of albums is up there with the very, very best. This was on Armed Forces, I think his third record, right up till about his fifth or sixth. It was just like classic after classic after classic. Um, This might be maybe the potentially most offensive song on the list because some of the conversation around this recently has been there's a lyric in one of the verses um, where he's he's obviously speaking from a character's point of view and he uses the term one less white n-word um, which he said was obviously at the time him like referencing how his grandfather who I think was in the British Army when he was very young was referred to because he was um, an Irish kind of Catholic uh, but obviously now it's just like you shouldn't be using that n-word um, which is fair enough. And he, I think this year, has said, I'm not going to play it again because it's not intended in that way, but people hear it and it upsets them and they kind of see me in one way that I'm not. So I'm going to retire. Please don't play it on the radio. It's kind of like that Pogues thing of them, like, like the Pogues themselves not being annoyed about the whole fairy tale in New York, but people are just like, oh, you can't say anything anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's like, okay, yeah, it's taking on a different meaning for people. It's just a character thing. He's in kind of voice. He's kind of talking about how dehumanized everyone was. Um, but yeah, that's kind of why he gets talked about now. But it just the jewel in his kind of catalogue, I think, and a great catalogue. Love this song. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, like, not an artist I uh, often go to. Admittedly. Yeah. Have you ever done a deep dive or... No, no. Because he's one no. I think you, you might, like, you kind of get lost in for a bit. Like, there'll be periods where it's just like, I'm just listening to him obsessively and then you go years without getting stuck in. Do you know kind of way? Sure, sure. Yeah. Because um, he's heavy going and he's acerbic and he's, you didn't know... Didn't he have that weird run of gigs there where it was like, it's the great Elvis Costello songbook and... It was a, yeah, kind of weird format. Giant, like, he had a giant wheel on stage, like a game show <laughs> yeah, wheel. Yeah. And every night he'd spin the wheel and it would be like different eras of his career or something would be like options on the wheel yeah and it, whatever it would land on that's what the band would play that's the songs that they would do that night so the set list was decided like in that split second so it's like Springsteen meets fucking dealer no dealer and I guess like, and I guess like it's not gimmicked maybe it was but maybe if it isn't gimmicked it's like so clearly the rehearsed like the band are rehearsed to play all of these oh, fucking yeah. songs yeah I'd say so what a task that must be yeah and again if you're an audience member 
You're like, oh god, no! I hope it doesn't land on that one. Kind of like the Jeopardy of it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cool idea. You had a couple of eras, though. You're like, I don't want to, I don't want to visit though. I don't. Jeez, oh, we're getting mid '80s country music. Are we? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Maybe he was selective. Yeah, probably. Um, he did some great stuff with Burt Bacharach as well. Like he did get Schmalzy in a really good way. But um, All right. interesting dude. And also, yeah. what this song has going for it is this might have been the re- reason that Razorlight, as we know them <laughs> in their prime years, got together. No way. Because <laughs> I remember Johnny Burrell, Burrell, Burrell. Our, our boy. Um, yeah, I think it's Burrell, but I prefer Burrell. I prefer Burrell. So, yeah, we're sticking with Burrell. <laughs> Biopic. He was talking about Andy Burroughs joining the band. Oh yeah, and um, who famously wrote their biggest song, "America." Andy Burroughs, a lovely, their lovely guy, song. the drummer. And the worst yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, but he's a lovely guy, and um, talking about how, like, it, yeah, he was saying that finally I, I had someone in the band that understood me. And that got what I was trying to achieve with Razorlight, which was like changing the world. <laughs> and he has all these quotes about like, that's one reason I could never get into Oasis because Noel would always just be like, yeah, music can't change the world. And I fundamentally disagree with that. <laughs> but they were in a pub when Andy was about to join or like they were talking about him joining and Oliver's army came on the jukebox and they both fell into a conversation for hours about how, yeah, this was a massive song that actually meant something and changed people's minds. And blah. That's what we should do. And then they wrote America. <laughs> That's upsetting. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Um, I should note, there was a moment during the top five, of course, when I put on the Michael Jackson song and uh, our sonic architect sounded a note of protest. Yes. Um, as is his right. As is his right. Because, you know, you couldn't protest against him, could you? No. Sonic architect Adam, he did still play it. He is taking holidays. And that is the show for this week. And also, yes, so if you've made it this far, uh, a quick <laughs> announcement. Um, kind of bad news, but not really. Uh, Adam is taking three weeks off the show because he's going on holidays as previously noted and we've had a discussion about it and we have decided to also take a break. So the show is taking a break now for the next three weeks. It's only three weeks. It's only three episodes. We'll be back uh, in the... Towards the end of August? Late August, yeah. yeah. Late August, yeah. Um, Craig and I may or may not do something in between. I'm not making any promises. Like, we might do something... Like a non-regular episode or something, but we also might not. Um, So... Essentially, the reasons are as follows. I, I'm also, I should, I should say at, at the start of this as well. I'm going to put out a post for patrons on Patreon on Monday, or maybe Tuesday because it's a bank holiday. But like, I'm going to put out a post basically just with a longer-winded version of explaining this, etc. And also, what I'm going to do as well is kickstart your work week. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm going to do is I'm actually I'm, I've just decided in, in the middle of the show I'm going to make a playlist uh, just of like. Maybe stuff I've loved from this year, or maybe just stuff I've been listening to this year from not necessarily like from because I haven't I haven't I haven't made a fresh playlist for patrons in a while, so just as kind of like a you know please listen to this for three weeks instead. I'll uh, do a playlist. You can do, well, do my own. Okay, yeah. I mean, you're kind of stepping on my playlist. Oh shit! Idea. Do you no, want no, to no, have no, no, to play? No, 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 no. Well, maybe I'll do one in a week or so. Maybe we can make two playlists fun. and we can decide when to put them out. But for patrons only. Okay, do you want to make a playlist? I, feel, uh, I was going to make a playlist and call it Craigslist, but now I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so Craig's going to make you a playlist. Um, no, I will make one as well. Um, I'll, I'm going to put out a post on Monday where you can read more about it. But it, the crux of it is this. Um, 
we just thought it was a good time to take a refresher. We don't really do that very often. I know we've had a couple of moments this summer where, like, you know, we were on holidays at the same time or whatever, but we don't really miss the show. Uh, and also, crucially as well, we've been recording these episodes in person yeah. the last few weeks. And I, I don't know about you, listener, let us know, but uh, I've really enjoyed it more because the remote thing can wear you down a bit and we get it done and it always sounds as good as it possibly can. Adam is a huge part of that, of course. Yeah. But it being here in person, sitting opposite you, it's night and day to me. Mm. And I think, and I've had people even in recent weeks say it to me, they've been like, please keep doing this. And we want to. Yeah, 100%. It's just been logistical reasons and stuff. And like, it can be whatever. But like, yeah. And also no fucking sob stories, but like, you know, I think we're all just feeling a bit burned out. Like, honestly, truly, like, you know, like between work and just the way the year has gone and everything. Um, even this week, like, no lie. I mean, like, you know, on Tuesday, we didn't have a top five. And I was like, fuck. What are we gonna do? Like, and they're like sometimes it gets on top of you. And the last thing I want to do is complain. And I'm not complaining. I love, love, love doing the show. But you know, there's been a couple of times this year when I haven't loved doing the show, and I just think that we should just take a very quick break, just refresh it, and just take a little breather in the meantime, and retool a little bit, and kind of maybe plan a bit more. Yada yada. Like, yeah, it's like people in New York, like kind of upper suburban socialite <laughs> types, will summer in Cape Cod. <laughs> In August, you know, we we'll really, like, like we usually just power through from January until the end of the year and then take a break in January. But like, honestly, I just think that we need to just take a little breather and just kind of, you know, just slow down for a second. And I also don't want to miss being in the studio. And that's what it would be like next week. We've no engineer. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to do it. We kind of scrambled to get one. And I just don't think it'd be the same no matter who would do it. No offense to anybody else, but they're just not Adam. Um, and then after that, it's like, you know, we'd have to do remote. And I, and I just I'd rather not. If I'd rather keep this momentum going, which ironically means pausing for three weeks, <laughs> um, but that's life, man. And like, there are lots of podcasts that take time off or like take time to release episodes, or sometimes don't drop one every week. So I hope you understand, listener. I hope that's okay. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you know there's no problem on your end. Uh, <laughs> please keep listening yeah. to the show. Uh, I don't. And know. If you don't understand, hit us up or yeah. leave Dave alone. Come at me. No, come at us both. At Henry Dave on Twitter at Greg Um But yeah, like honestly, it'll be fucking over before you know it. It'll be like a three-week blast we're back in the studio uh we just don't want to like you know lessen the quality essentially really well what do you think i think it's a good idea it's just a little refresher um and yeah like uh, the episodes have been great it's all the kind of stuff and the prep around prep around us and we've just been also busy and for various reasons it just kind of makes sense because it is mainly just having a chat before this episode and about what how we would kind of go forward in the next couple of weeks the studio's been so massive like it's, it is night and day. Like yeah. I forgot the difference that being here in person makes because it's crazy. we had it. We got into a really nice rhythm with the uh, Zoom thing. Oh, and we can do it. And that's like, an option. And, and we've been yeah. doing it, and like we yeah. can do it in our fucking sleep at this stage. And yeah, and thankfully we do actually have enough of a rapport and whatever. But like it wears, it, it can wear you down. Like mm. you know, and this feels more like it feels more impactful, and it feels you know, and even like you know, the last couple weeks that like, we've gone for a pint after the show, yeah. we haven't done that in fucking years. So it's important, I think, to kind of try, try and keep in this headspace. Yeah. So yeah, and like I say, look, I'm gonna uh, look. Look, it's a labor of love. That's what the show is. That's what any creative endeavor is. And we really do appreciate anyone who listens to the show and tells people about it truthfully. I'm not just saying that. I really fucking it means the world. It really, really does. Especially when you have those moments of just like, ah, oh, does anyone care? Do I care? Uh, people do, and that's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, I'm gonna play like a longer, much more, you know, rambly bullshit version of this probably on Patreon.com. Really? Slash no encore. <laughs> no, it'll, it'll be truthful. It'll, it'll, 
okay. like it's, it's pretty much going to be, yeah, I, I, I just want to write it down and basically just kind of like, you know, thank people and stuff. So patreon.com slash noancore if you want to support the show. I know we're taking a few weeks off. And listen, if you do support the show and you want to take a break from that, that's totally on you. That, yeah, that's course. totally fine. We're aware that we're pausing it for a few, but it's just, it's three fucking weeks and three episodes. That's all it is. Um, we will be back soon and I'm going to make a playlist and I guess Craig is too. So You don't sound that excited about it. I don't know. I'm excited about the playlist I was going to make. I just feel like I had this noble gesture that I thought of. I thought, I thought that'd be a nice thing to throw in. Maybe I'll write a song for patrons. Like do that. Why don't you do a cover of Knights in White Satin? Oh, that's Which a Craig fucking do, deep cut, isn't it? <laughs> that's a deep, it's deep cut. It's, yeah, it's such a podcast. I don't know if I have any joke. white satin. It's like a hot press in joke. Anyway, look. Um, have a great late summer. Adam is going to Greece. Craig and I are just going to be working in our jobs. It's not like we're yeah. going to do anything exotic. But and like I said, who knows? We might do something in between, but I don't want to promise anything. Like we have a couple of ideas, but it will just depend. Um, you know, it's it's good to just take a fucking breather, take a breath, you know, slow the world down. And yeah, um, that's the show for now. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash Noancore. Pay- playlist coming soon. <laughs> um, Playlists. Yeah. I, I said to Craig like, when we started this, I was like, should I say that? Should I say it at the start of the show? Like, is that weird? Is it weird to say it on the show at all? But I'm like, I hope people have listened this far and haven't turned off in disgust. Well, I think it comes back to the point of like, when you're listening to a podcast, you always want to feel like the people actually making the podcast are fully present and enjoying it, which we always are when yeah. we're actually doing it. It's true. Well, I just felt like there was, well, I was listening back to, um, because of course it was, are you talking R.E.M. Remy? <laughs> Adam Scott and Scott <laughs> Aukerman, just like at some whatever. But uh, there was a point in an episode where, uh, one of the mentions, I mean, you've got really got to get out of here. We need to get through this album or something like, and it was kind of throwaway, but I was just like, do I really need to listen to the next 20 minutes if they're just rushing to fucking yeah, finish yeah, this yeah. episode to get off to somewhere else? And simultaneously, like the last thing, and we're not, and the last thing we want to do is like feel sorry for ourselves. Oh, boohoo, we run it. We, we, we do a show. It's not that. We love doing the show. There's just times when I'm like, I just need a bit of a fucking break. Yeah. I need a break from my job, by the way. If I could take... I need a... If I, I want to go to Cape Cod. Mate, <laughs> if I could take fucking three weeks off my fucking job, that, yeah. like, for, for whatever the podcast, <laughs> like, I mean, I just want to... Like, I've, I say this all the time. I'm like, human beings should have the ability to go into fucking cryogenic storage for, like, six months Would you go time. cryogenic storage or would you go, like, time in a commune or... Cryogenic retreat? storage. No, really? cry, cryogenic Buddhist storage. Buddhist retreat or something like no, that? No, no, that, but, that's more you, I think. Yeah, I go for that. Yeah, you'd like go off and like do fucking you know cool shit, <laughs> meditating, meditate, yoga, pose, sweep I, the floor. Yeah. yeah, like a really aggressive like head monk. That's like you must sweep the floor and just like yeah, ayahuasca. Like you know, like, like, like <laughs> oh, all that these, sounds better. All these kind of trippy things where you find you know like you go you to find, Burning Man. Yeah, whereas I'm <laughs> Craig's off to Burning Man. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm fucking Demolition Man over here <laughs> as I get frozen into a block of ice. Uh, that kind of quick witted banter, guys. It's coming back three weeks. I promise. Uh, Love you. Uh, thanks for letting us take this time off the show. And uh, yeah, so that's that's it for now. Um, see you in three weeks, Craig. Oh yeah, I'll see you then. And you too, Adam. Then. We love you. Enjoy your holiday, Adam. Your proper holiday. Yeah, Adam's going on <laughs> well an actual holiday. Swamped, like, he's yeah. going to a nice place, Greece, I believe. Yes, Track him down, folks. I keep saying that. <laughs> no one's going to go to Greece. <laughs> you never know. Some dedicated listener might do it. My name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And we'll be back in a few episodes' time. Have a great time. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.